Okay, episode 168, Hot Shot Scott. Look who's sitting here. I'm back. And by the Where way... Where have you been? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? It just turned out that it was like, I, I, I need this day off, but then it turned into this day, then another day, and I don't know. No, I no, just... no, 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 no. You only really asked for yeah. and received, yes. I'll point out, Yes. Uh, one day off. You said... You have been told in no uncertain terms yeah. that you are not to be doing a podcast on Sunday, your wife's birthday. <laughs> so off you went to Mean Girls on Saturday night oh. or Sunday night? Did you go on? Uh, which night did you Dinner go Dinner was Sunday. And yeah. then Mean it, it's a birthday week. It's a, it's a week. I mean, it's like. <laughs> so your wife's birth- really into the whole birthday thing. She's as into it as I'll be, I guess. You know, if I want to just keep doing stuff, she's in. She doesn't give any demands or anything. But so Mean Girls was Saturday. But then Piper had an 845 basketball game. So we weren't sure how that's going to work. So yeah, we ponder fine. off on it's a summer. Hot, uh, hot Shot was out and uh, Slickhawk was in. That's right. Did yes. you listen to any of the show that you miss? Well, I, had I listened, I probably wouldn't have forgot to beat the boys picks this week. <laughs> I, I'm walking around in my house today going, watch it. Like the NFL was on, on Sunday. I'm like, oh, God, I didn't make my picks, did I? Which means you got the same amount of points as you would get on a normal That's right. Week, right? That's right. Yes. Right. So you didn't even fill out your beat the boys. No, I kind of forgot. Nice job. You know what sucks is that the guy that runs well it, I done, know very shot. well. He could have at least reached out to me. I mean. What Bill, am I supposed to send you? To, no, I'm I, talking about Bill. Oh, oh, oh. Bill should be my my backup. Well, you get an automated email. Yeah, but checking your email on Saturday is like, eh. All right, give no me a good. quick, because we got a oh, billion. Sorry, yeah, yeah. There's literally, <laughs> between the Mariners and the University of Washington hiring yeah. coaches. There, I'm not even sure that we should even talk about the Seahawks, even though we waited until Monday night after the Seahawks came yeah, to do this show. Why? I mean, <laughs> I am so fed up with the the, the Seahawks, and I, I, you know, I I could go a whole podcast right now and not even discuss them. So sounds good to me. Don't get me started on that. So give me a quick. I need a couple things from you. Yep. I don't want people to think that we're putting things. Up. Give me a quick. Um, review of Mean Girls. Is it still out, Mean Girls, or was it like a short run? It was short run. a really short run, which is oh, why okay. I was on Craigslist. So it doesn't matter. Buying tickets from a stranger and hopefully not getting ripped off. Right. But, I mean, it's touring around. I think Portland is next or whatever. Okay. So you went to Mean Girls. This is the Lindsay Lohan movie? Correct. TV show? Yes, Lindsay I like, Lohan. I like Lindsay Lohan. Well, I pull for her. She just got engaged. So Ask you, me why. Why do you pull for Lindsay Lohan? no idea. <laughs> she just got engaged. How she you, just got engaged, I swear to you. Sure. How do you know that? I don't want to know it, but Did I do know it. Did she send you an announcement? Yes, I'm invited to the wedding, but I can't bring a plus one. So. She's never been married all uh, these years? She maybe. doesn't have kids? She might have had an ill-advised one she's, at some point. She's had troubles, right? She's had her she's demons. had She's battled her demons, yes. Okay. And then she's got a right. crazy dad and a crazy mom. So and, you went to a, a Broadway musical at the Paramount of Mean Girls yes. with music and everything. Yep, music Dancing, and everything. Showgirls. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Every little step, whatever that one is. Um, yes, but it was lots of music. So if you don't like singing, don't go see Mean Girls. It's a well, lot it's of music. Well, too late. We can't even go see Mean Girls if we well, want to. If it to comes that. back or whatever, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's all songs singing, almost. Do you, you don't recognize any of the songs? Uh, no, I no, don't. No. I mean, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are involved with this. It, oh. I know at least Tina Fey was involved with the Broadway part because yeah. she has a pre-recorded message at the beginning. It's right. pretty funny. And, right. But it was good. It's If you like the movie, it's funny. It's I don't even know that I saw the movie, so okay. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's good, but okay. don't picture grandiose like Miss Saigon or something like that. And your wife knew she was going, right? This was not a surprise. Yeah, I told her because we have to get okay. things right. off and all okay. that. Oh, and by the way, I found someone's driver's license and credit card on the again? ground. Again? Yeah, on, again. You're not meeting them at, 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 at the donut shop, are you? I turned him in this time. I turned him into the person at the Paramount. It's all yours. Okay. I, I did find him on Facebook and messaged him and waited around a little bit. Okay. Nothing back. But so a thumbs it. up for Mean Girls? Yes, I enjoyed thumbs it. Thumbs up for Mean Girls. Yep. Thanksgiving. 
Yes. At home? No. You're not a, a you go someplace else. You go to your father-in-law's down in Tacoma or something? He's in Arizona. On a boat or something? Well, the, the boat's in the summer. He goes to Arizona in the winter. Okay. He's so a, no father-in-law. Correct. For Thanksgiving. Yes. Where do we go? We go to a friend's house. I told you that before. We're, we're like schnurrs. We just, we just glom Nobody on. Nobody knows the, what schnurrs no. is. <laughs> you shouldn't know what schnurrs is. But we just go from house to house. And uh, this year we spent it with two different families. They're from the East Coast, both yeah, families coincidentally. Yeah, and yeah. so the three families just hung out and had a nice big friends oh, Thanksgiving. It was that great. Makes that, that makes me break out. Oh, yeah. The whole idea of that. First of all, <laughs> I don't you, you Do you need me to really tell you yeah. what, what the problem, the multi-layered problems of going to somebody else's for Thanksgiving? I mean, I don't love the idea. I would, no. love, I would love to be home because I like no. home. But these people are very easy, luckily. They're all easy. They're all easy to talk to and hang out and watch football. It's not really that, that difficult. The pro- okay, did you make something to take? Well, of course. We were raised right. <laughs> I once had a friend say that, that to me. stupid thing to say. Oh, of course I'm going to bring something. I was, I was raised right. Okay, are you somebody who would go buy something so you don't have to mess around? Or are you in the kitchen literally making a dish oh. that you're then going to bring to the person's house... And then you're going to watch to see if people actually eat your dish. And if they do eat your dish, then you're going to wonder whether they like it or not, whether you did it right. What yeah. did you make? Yeah, Lay it on me. We're Is at- it something that I would like? Oh, I don't think you'd like either of my appetizers. Honestly, I don't think you would. You still have that seventh grade palate. You know, you're like a little, like you're would in you the stop? yummy phase. What are you talking about? Well, you're, you're a little picky. So the, the first dish I made, yes. stuffed mushrooms. <laughs> I did think of you as I was making them. Stuffed mushrooms? Yeah, and I even put a little truffle oil in the mix. Oh, Oh, it was so good. Oh. No, it was, people were loving them. Delightful. I mean, people. Get my therapist on the phone. Actually, the the woman. What what, what are they stuffed with? Well, if you must know, when you pull the little stems out. Did you go out to the lawn, like in the front lawn, and pull the mushrooms right out of your. uh, Yeah, it was on the side of our house. There was some sticking out. So I just, I grabbed those little ones. But no, you you pull the stems out and you use that in your mixture with cream cheese and Parmesan or whatever else you want. Delightful, I must say. I did a great job. And those got pummeled. And then I made deviled eggs. No way you like a nice deviled egg. Love deviled eggs. Come on. Yes. See, we have to play a Will Mitch eat it because I feel like Why I Why wouldn't you... I eat a deviled egg? No. Who doesn't it's... like a nice deviled egg? Oh, you do? <laughs> well, I don't know. You don't like oh. mushrooms. No, I don't like mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's funny. I don't like mushrooms. Yeah. To you means I don't like deviled eggs. Or like anything. You, asso- you associate everything with the mushrooms. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't like mushrooms, then he can't like this. Yeah. If he doesn't like mushrooms, he doesn't like that. It's kind of true. Which is it's the most insane, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> illogical argument that could ever be made i mean if you said you didn't like i don't like mushrooms i don't like the texture of mushrooms i didn't (laughs) like them on my yard in my lawn they're a fungus i don't like yes they are i don't like them cooked i don't like them raw i don't like mushrooms that has nothing effing to do with deviled eggs kind of does no it doesn't eggs are the same texture really i love eggs i i i in fact if you went downstairs right now in my house yeah and you said is mitch a good cook yeah They'd probably say no. But if they, if they were being honest, they'd <laughs> yeah. say, no, he's pretty good. Yeah. And you'd say, what is his special? He makes all kinds of eggs. Every egg dish under the sun, I mean. Yeah, I know. But okay. devils a little different. They're kind of got a tang a to them. A hard-boiled egg? Yeah, I well, love them. Oh, yeah. sure. And I, I don't have to watch if people eat my food because they always do. I don't understand why it. a man can't not like <laughs> mushrooms but like deviled eggs. It's ridiculous. Well, mushrooms aren't anyway. that flavorful. What's your other one? Give uh, me the, the other one. The deviled eggs. 
Oh, you made deviled eggs and mushrooms? Yeah. Oh, I would eat. Yeah, I would have. So you would eat half of them. So, so here's what would happen. Let's invite Mitch over. Yeah. Mitch comes over. He doesn't really want to be there. Everybody kind of knows it. Yeah. He sits at the table, and now it comes to mealtime, and I have to kind of take a little of everybody's because I don't want to offend anybody. I got to take one of your stuffed mushrooms. There's literally no chance that I'm going to put even a scintilla of your stuffed mushroom in my mouth. It's not a word. But I'm going to, but uh, no, probably not. <laughs> but then, I, but I'm going to put it on my plate. Wow. And then I'm going to take my fork and I'm going to cut it a couple of times to make it look like I tried it. Oh, yeah, that is stressful. But then the, the, the because I don't want to hurt your feelings. The black mushroom juice then gets on the plate and would Ooh, get everywhere. Uh, and yeah, mushroom juice. Whatever it is. I don't know. When it, is like, there mushroom juice? It like sweats what, out. What do you the... squeeze mushrooms for juice now? Yeah, Jamba juice is all over it. Oh, it's going to be great. All right. Anyway, great time at Thanksgiving at this house. My wife made a bunch a of nice desserts time. and we had a good time. Yeah. yeah. You but like it the is, turkey. It is nice to go home to you a like the turkey. clean, empty house. With nobody there. It was awesome. Because my, my friends are texting me. I can't get my in-laws to leave. I yeah. can't get so-and-so to leave. So yeah. it was I nice. went to Daniel's Broiler. I literally went to a restaurant on Thanksgiving. I don't know. I was sitting there on Thursday night thinking, have I ever really been to a restaurant on Thanksgiving? I don't Thanksgiving? think I have. Somewhere along the line, I must have been to a restaurant on Thanksgiving. I think, in fact, my family hmm. once traveled to like Scottsdale or Phoenix to get away for Thanksgiving and we went to a Thanksgiving. We probably went to a dinner okay. Thanksgiving. But for the most part, I don't think I, I even knew that restaurants were open on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I you know, just the two of us, the other two were in Washington at her, her parents' house, my wife's parents, my in-laws' house. So I had my, the little one, Yes. He's not so little anymore. No, he isn't. He doesn't like me calling him that. My younger <laughs> one. And uh, we went to Daniel's and sat at a table. Nice. Look, looked at each other, ate what we wanted to eat, didn't yeah. feel obliged to play with our food, <laughs> didn't feel like I had to hurt somebody's feelings over stuffed mushrooms. What about turkey, though? I mean, do you Love feel... turkey. Oh, yeah, you do oh, here, like it. Here we go. Oh, how can a man who likes mushrooms really <laughs> like turkey? Well, I love it. bland. I mean, let's face it. It's pretty I bland. love turkey. Okay. So you, you turkey. got the turkey. You didn't feel obligated? I actually got the turkey. Okay. Yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is, and this is not a shot at Daniels, because I love Daniels, and I think they have the best steak around. I often go to Daniel's and not order the steak. Okay. Yeah. See, if I have nightmares at night sometimes if I eat steak too late. I have things in my mind. What? Yeah. Caused by a steak? But I think. I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's just good science right there. <laughs> I don't know. But on nights that I've Come eaten on. a late dinner while I've had a steak late at night, yeah. I haven't slept. I have a little something going on in my, my noggin while I'm trying to sleep. So and I and I try not to eat too much red meat. So I go to I go to Daniel's all the time. I'll have the salmon. Yeah, yeah. I'll have uh, chicken. I'll, I'll have something other than steak. So it's not a big not a big procedure for me to not have the steak. I'm sure their turkey is as good as you could ever. Really eat. good. Yeah, I'm sure. It they was. had the stuffing. I like that. Okay, good. How does a man who like like yeah, so you, like, you like all the bland food? That's good. But you know, very often. Yeah. Stuffing has mushrooms in it. Oh, it does. Yeah, people get cute with it. So I had I to ask Angie in Bellevue, "Hey, does the stuffing have mushroom in <laughs> oh, it?" And she says, "I don't think so." Yeah. How important is this? I said, "It's the most important question you'll answer all <laughs> evening." Would you mind? Go she says, "You really want me to go?" I want you to go to the chef yeah. and ask, "Is there any mushrooms in it, or was there ever any truffle mushrooms or anything yeah. in it?" She said, "You really want me to do that?" I said, "I really want you to do that." So she went. She came back. Got great news. Nice. You did it. You there did you it. I, I, that's one thing I don't like is when people get cute with the Thanksgiving yeah. food. Yeah. I feel like it's fine the way it is. Like, I, I don't need the walnuts or the, the mushrooms or anything. You know, just make it the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's good. It's fine. Well, who's to say how it's supposed to be made? 
Well, when you start adding stuff like mushrooms, I think mushrooms and walnuts in, and all that stuff in stuffing. Yeah, people. Get I cute. feel like mushrooms go in stuffing a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. I never had that as a kid. Really? Yeah. All yeah. right. There you okay. go. There you go. Let's let's talk about this for another. Right. Hour. Oh, oh no 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 more no more of this. <laughs> uh, couple, can I get a, a couple of business matters? I, I'm please. supposed to tell you to subscribe and listen and click all the play buttons for all the different shows. Please 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 support our sponsors. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. Yep. Um, five dollars a month for all the extra content. I want to tell you that you probably know this that we were given thanks to the generosity of Jay. At Seattle Shirt Company, we were given a bunch of Seattle uh, authentic home Kraken jerseys. He's one yeah. of the only places in town that's allowed to personalize them, oh. and he gave them to us for seventy-five dollars off. Nice. I announced that last on on the show that you weren't here, and I had them for uh, for patrons. They're gone, so please. Oh, that's it. I apologize. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of them. He gave me X amount of them. We sold them. That's the end. I had people the texting that. me because you mentioned it a few shows yes, ago. We that did. Yeah. It might happen. Yes. So now I got people texting me yeah. like, it was good. What's people, going people on with Mitch? It. It's a great. What's going on with Mitch? Yeah. Is he, is there going to be a discount or oh, isn't yeah. there? Oh yeah. So there was, there was, there was for patrons. There was good. a code and they got $75 off. So I just want to, I'm just announcing there's no more of those left. Gotcha. Okay. Beat the boys presented by Fireside Home Solutions. I love Fireside Home Solutions. We got a brand new fireplace from Fireside Home Solutions. John is great and his team. You didn't, uh. You didn't make your picks last week. Yeah, I, I'm not. See, th this is what got me out of fantasy football. I, f I forgot to put my uh, my lineup in once. And that was it. Oh, God. You, you would have acted like I slept with all their wives. I mean, they wanted to kill me. <laughs> I mean, I, I never saw anything. They locked my team. And, oh, I had, Really? Oh, yeah, dude. They took it so serious. I think it was getting close to, like, playoff time and implications. And I just forgot. And I, you started a bunch of guys on bye like that. <laughs> no. So you kind of. No, I didn't put a lineup in. Well, then it would be the lineup from the previous week, wouldn't I, it? They were, or maybe I had a quarterback in that wasn't playing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Guys on buys. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whatever yeah, it was, they yeah. got pissed. And this is so why I don't so, want to do it. So your opponent had a walkover, a very easy oh, yeah. win, and it affected the whole year. Yep. Yeah. And then I bet you Wink Shapiro would have gone oh. crazy. Oh, my God. He was, on, he was in the whole mix. <laughs> there was another sales guy that you would know. Uh, that I would or wouldn't? I think you would know. He worked at KGR FM. Yeah, he yeah. was being a D Everybody about was it. Ma Everybody's mad at you. That I can't. Was it. It that was it. I have not played since 2010. I think, and this is why. Because does I that forget. mean you're not going to ever? No, it doesn't mean that. All right, I'm in. Let me give you the uh, week 13 games real quickly and give you the code word presented okay. by Fireside Home Solutions. Game one: Chargers at Bengals. Game two: Niners at Seahawks. You know the Seahawks. Uh, and game three, the Patriots at the Bills. Good one. The code to be able to make your picks on this uh, week 13 of the NFL season will be Loserville. Not the, that's not the Dr. Pepper town in the commercial. L-O-S. No, it's the title of a new song that I wrote and I'm going to perform on our next show. On the next show? I had it almost ready for this show, but then the oh. Kraken decided to start winning and a couple of things. But I've, I've done <laughs> gotcha. a song. I've now, I've created a new song, a new Mitch's Melody, and it's called... Loserville. <sighs> I was trying to not think about the Seahawks, but thank you for that. All right. All right. 168, episode 168 guests. You know them. Joe Fan and Brady Henderson, Seahawks, no table. I kind of don't even want to. I'm so Seahawked out yeah. after the season. But anyway, Joe Fan and Brady Henderson will uh, wrap the whole thing up and tell us what to expect as we move forward. Um, no, no, no. Oh, Rick Neuheisel oh. on the new Washington 
football coach. A lot going on. On the new LSU football coach. On the new USC football coach. On the new Final Four or College Football Playoff Four with the conference championship. Alabama, Georgia. When was the last time you could get Alabama plus a touchdown in a college football game? Yeah. Alabama is a seven-point underdog against Georgia in the SEC championship game. We got tons of interesting college football. He's going to tell you whether he likes or doesn't like the UW's new head football coach. Great. I want to know. Yeah. Now, was last Saturday the greatest college football day ever? One of the greats. I mean, I'm looking around. really a good Seven versus ten, two and five. It was great. It was awesome. It was fantastic. So many good games. Yeah. Yeah. Monday night football kind of reminded me of that whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> right. Those a-holes almost made it so we had to watch overtime and stay up even later. <laughs> that that was really going to kill me if they somehow get to overtime. Oh, God. And even if they win or lose, it wouldn't matter. They're still not a good you team. You were literally rooting against him on the two-point conversion. Admit it. They're four, what are they, three and seven, four and seven? Yeah. It's 17-15. If they hit the two-point conversion, we're going to overtime you're going to be up even later on yeah. a Monday night. You got to get up to work on Tuesday. Go ahead, admit to the faithful, the Mitch unfiltered, unfiltered faithful, that you were rooting for the Seahawks to not convert on the two-point conversion. That is correct. I was rooting against them to not make the two-point oh. conversion. I mean, look, like like I said, what if what if, what if they win this game? What am I looking at? Am I looking at a playoff team? Am I all excited because this team know. looks great? What does it matter anyway? And part, I have a friend on text who kept saying like he's rooting against the Seahawks. He wants them to keep failing so they'll make moves or they'll maybe do something. Well, that's one way to look at it. I guess, yeah. So people are hate-watching them. Quickly, now. the third guest on this episode, 168, yes. I want you to listen to, if you can remember to listen to it, I think people will get a kick out of it. If you're a baseball fan in Seattle for the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, you'll remember this name. You may or may not. DJ Peterson. Name it anything to you? Kind of. 2013, D.J. Peterson was the best college baseball player in America. Okay. And he became the first or the first round draft choice of your Seattle Mariners. The truth is they had already drafted him three years earlier out of high school, but he went to college, and then they drafted him again, this oh. time in the first round. And he was going to be, you know, the uber prospect. He, was, he, he had huge powers, a corner infield, University of New Mexico. Nice. I mean, could hit, hit any pitch that you threw at him out of the ballpark. And then he got hit by a pitch in his face. He got hit in the jaw with a fastball, and it shattered his face, shattered his jaw in eight different places. And his life changed, his career changed forever. And it's a, it's an intro. He's he's actually still playing, believe it or not. He's twenty nine, going to be thirty. He's in the Colorado Rockies, or he's making a comeback. Wow. But but the story is not about that. It's just his story, the story of perseverance, the story of mental yeah. um, challenges, and talking to somebody when you have. He you know he would not admit to anybody that he was scared of getting hit again, and it just you know it's kind of like I don't know. Greyhound, you ever heard of Greyhound races where the where the dog sometimes catches the fake bunny? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard read about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. What happens to the dog? Well, I think they get they refuse to race anymore. They're, they're, they're oh, done. Oh, okay, I see. Because now they know that the bunny that they've been chasing all this time is a fake. So it, it, it impacts it impacts them psychologically, impacts them for the rest of their time huh. if they ever catch the bunny. Yeah. He was he was challenged for the rest of his career. Let's put it that way. I mean, who wouldn't be? A fastball. I think. A, I think they're. I don't know. To the face. I mean, that's that's 
That's wired shut, eight oh, surgeries, God. the whole thing. When Piper and I were at the Mariner game this, yeah. this summer, she says to me, how come they don't have full face masks like we do in our softball? Uh, yeah. And I didn't have an answer. No. But they only have one ear covered, by the way. Until recently. Like, why? The, the first and third base coaches didn't even wear helmets. They get hit. They, line drives get hit their way. Right. They didn't even have a helmet on. Till recently, is it a hockey players? Thing, it's like it? only about thirty years, I think, 25, 30 years yeah. since the hockey hockey guys had to wear a helmet. Guys Crazy. skating around, getting checked into the boards with no helmet. Yeah, taking a puck to the melon. <laughs> taking I mean, a puck God, to the who melon. needs it? A puck to the melon. <laughs> anyway, DJ Peterson is the third guest on episode one hundred and sixty-eight. So welcome back to Hot Shot Scott for episode 168, presented by our friends at Fireside Home Solutions. Title sponsor, the Beat the Boys. Is there a better time than now to look into a new fireplace for the winter? We bought ours, the last unit from John's crew. Start your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. The brand new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. One of the nation's premier mortgage companies wanted a new team in Kirkland, and to whom do they turn? Jordan Flowers, of course, who immediately brought along his entire crew. Great refinance opportunities available. You can save a lot of money every month just by giving Jordan a call. I swear, 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. The Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza, but their chopped salad is way underrated. It may be the best salad in the Northwest. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have pizza, beer, and salads at your door in no time. We love Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler for the Holidays. My wife and son Max were in D.C. with my in-laws, so where did Brett and I turn on Thanksgiving? The Bellevue location. He had steak, I had turkey, delicious and perfect. The 13th annual Champagne Gala is December the 8th. USC grad Lindsey Schwartz will be toasting Lincoln Riley for sure. Danielsbroiler.com for details. This is episode 168, and we're getting ready to start it right now unfiltered what is it that the seahawks do well this version of the seahawks 2021 seahawks are they are they a good running team are they a good passing team are they a good pass rushing team are they a good coverage team are they good against the run are they a good kicking team are they a good coaching team do they call plays very well i here's what i know they do well for the most part they're a very good punting team unfiltered the word that i would use for the current seattle seahawks organization coaching staff and players is stale. It's just, you know, that bag of chips that you unintentionally leave open and you leave on the counter and you come back a few days later and you try to have one and it's just, you know, stale. You know the, you know that feeling that I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, episode 168 is now officially underway. Well, the national nightmare is over. Uh, your buddy Johnny Manziel is officially a single man. I know you were rooting for him and hoping everything would be okay in his Thought he got engaged life. to Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> that would have been a good couple, actually. They could wallow in their in their past fame. Oh, God. But Johnny it, Manziel. I know. I hadn't heard that name in a while. Then I, Jeez. Now, tell me how you feel about this. So his wife was a model, of course. Her name was Bree TSE or something. Yeah. She celebrated the news with her very own divorce party. 
featuring some of her closest friends. And she actually had a cake made that was broken in half, like a broken heart that said, I do, I did, I'm officially done. How do we feel about celebrating divorces? Am I old fashioned for saying- Well, you know what Jerry Seinfeld used to say? Huh? Can you get your gift back? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, right. If, If a couple gets divorced in a short amount of time, isn't there like a cutoff to where- Hey, can you yeah, slide that back over? <laughs> I always wanted a hammock. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It just feels weird when you celebrate a divorce. Now, maybe they're both way I, happier. Probably are. Isn't that the know. whole point of the thing? I guess. But it's kind of sad when a relationship fails. Anyway, Johnny Manziel, enjoy being single. I'm, I'm, so he's happy. I was going to say sorry to Johnny Manziel. I don't know if he's happy. That's okay. what I'm saying. It's kind of sad to me. Maybe he's not. He apparently is not sad. Okay, good. <laughs> Give me the hammock back. <laughs> Episode 168, I cannot remember the last time that the Seahawks, at this stage of the season, were this much of an afterthought when you consider all the other stuff that's going on, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, in the world of sports. I I, I don't even know where to begin. I almost think that we should begin with the Seattle Mariners. Well, somebody tweeted me and said they were requesting that, so... it's. It's no it's it's almost December. It's late November, early December. Yeah. And we're leading with the Mariners? <laughs> right. I know. I'm I stoked. think we are leading with the Mariners. Do you realize the kind of the kind of excitement there is all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but the kind of excitement there is amongst the Mariners nation, the fan club right now? I do. Considering the uh the Monday afternoon announcement that they had signed free agent the reigning Cy can you just can you get your arms around this? The Mariners signed as a free agent the current reigning Cy Young Award winner in the American League. No, I can't get my arms around that. As a matter of fact, what? that doesn't even sound that doesn't even sound right. No, what's that going to be like? Robbie Ray. Yeah, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young left-handed power pitcher starter for the Toronto Blue Jays. Went 13-7 and seven with a 2.84 ERA. Wow. Struck out 250 guys in 190 innings. Was pretty much the unanimous Cy Young Award winner. I think he got all but one first place vote. Wow. And the Mariners walk in and go, well, we're bringing them here. Yeah. Make it rain. Make we're it talking rain. about the Seattle Mariners <laughs> right. here. So that's very, very exciting. That's awesome. Very, very exciting. When do pitchers and catchers report? I can't wait. Let's live show from Arizona. Let's go. Peoria. Let's go. Bring you Mitch unfiltered there. on the road. <laughs> that's right. Five years, 115 million. He's 30 years old. Uh, his pro- he, He's always been pretty good. Okay. He's never been this good as he was this past year. So that's the, the, the you say to me, okay, but there's got to be a fly in the ointment. Yeah. What's the fly? I mean, and how, why is he only getting five years, $115 million? The truth of the matter is, I think he just pitched this previous year on a one-year contract. Oh, wow. So he had like the, the ultimate prove-it year. Yeah, yeah. Prove it that you're good and somebody will give you a contract. So he's getting five years, $115 million, But you would say, well, wait a second. Isn't the going rate about $30 million a year for these guys? Shouldn't he be getting $150, 160 175 Yeah. Well, I think the answer to that is he had an enormous year this past year. And he's always been pretty good. But he's always walked a lot of guys. Okay. He's always gotten himself in trouble with walks. And he's figured something out this past year where he didn't walk nearly as many guys. And uh, and he won the Cy Young. He's actually the answer to a trivia question. I could not even... I had to read this like five times just to make sure that I wasn't giving you, Scott, bad information on Mitch Unfiltered. Yeah, you don't want to do that. If I, if I had asked you this trivia question, I, I'm glad I didn't... 
Who's got the most strikeouts in the first thousand innings of their career than any pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I'm sure I read this. This guy, this guy's got more strikeouts over the first thousand innings of his career than any pitcher in Major League Baseball history. He had 1,241 strikeouts in his first thousand innings. That's Robbie Ray is the answer. Not Bob Gibson, uh, not Clemens. Bob Feller, not Roger Clemens, not Steve Carlton, <laughs> not this Randy guy? Johnson. Yeah, right. Apparently, Robbie Ray, unless <laughs> I met now, if I read it wrong, I take it all back. But I don't think I did. That's impressive. That's, yeah. He's, the, he's your ace. It would have taken me a while to get down to his name, I think, if I would have had to guess all of the pitchers. And, and before you close up the Mariners shop. Oh, I'm not. I'm ready to keep Not talking. only did they sign him, but they went out last week. And they traded for kind of veteran infielder slash outfielder Adam Frazier from the Padres, which was a kind of a minor deal on the radar because all these guys are getting signed up before the collective bargaining. You know, there could be a lockout in Major League Baseball. Oh, Our luck could be a lockout. Yeah. And, it, and it may happen this week. So all these deals are trying to get done before they, they stop doing business. Well, last week they, they, they traded a couple of minor leaguers, not their best minor leaguers, yeah. for this guy Adam Frazier, who, oh, by the way, was an all-star, I believe, last year with the Pirates before he was traded to the Padres midseason. So they got a, a essentially a current all-star infielder Love and it. the reigning Cy Young Award winner in a week's time. Now, in Frazier's case, we'll see what his role is on the team. And he's 33, maybe? Did I read that right? No, L- I think he's... A little older? Uh, I don't think he's that old. Is he 33? Uh, maybe I read that wrong. I don't, I, think, I just, I don't think he's 33. I know he wasn't he a young be. guy. I think he's in his thir- I think he's in his early 30s. Okay. But, but he can play second base. Love it. He can play a little outfield. Maybe he'll start. If they get somebody else, maybe he'll be the super utility man that they talk about. But they have made themselves... Either way, no matter how you look at Adam... Fra- he, by the way, he hit over 300 last year. That's possible in baseball? Yes, it is possible. Oh, I didn't know that. He, I, th- I believe he had over 300 last year. So in the last eight days or six days, the Mariners have made themselves... Uh, yeah, I, I would say if Ray is the real deal, they've made themselves yeah. substantially better. Now, I still don't think they're, they shouldn't be done. I hope they're not done. Yeah. They still need, I believe, kind of a middle-of-the-lineup aircraft carrier yep. whether it's a, a Nelson Cruz bringing him back to DH or a Chris Bryant to both DH and play third base or something like that but very exciting days all of a sudden for Seattle Mariners it's like fans. the Seahawks and the Husky football just stepped aside here's the deal Mariners it's been a while for you guys we're gonna suck this year yep you guys go make some moves right and get your fan base fired up again and see what you can do, and then we'll be back next year. That's hopefully. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Thank you, Huskies and Seahawks. So there you go. There's the there's the Mariner news, which Love is it. great, uh, kind of overshadowing the the Seahawks going to the Washington football team and losing. <laughs> the Seattle, the University of Washington Huskies, have a brand new football coach. They do. After a, should we even is the the Apple Cup in our rearview mirror? Or do we need to mention? Oh yeah, the we Apple haven't Cup? even talked about the Apple Cup. You want to say anything about the Apple? Did you watch the Apple Cup, your beloved dogs? I think I did watched. Did you not even watch it? I watched two and a half quarters of it. Okay. You didn't make any picks in Fireside Home Solutions. <laughs> yeah. You rooted against the Seahawks from converting the two-point conversion yeah. on Monday night. Fair enough. So that they would lose. And you didn't even watch your beloved University nah, of Washington Huskies. Couldn't do it. And to make it, to make it worse, I had to go pick up my daughter's friend, at a oh. at an apple cup party. Oh. And it's like 90% Cougs 
And I got to go in there and hear them. They're loving it. Oh, if Oregon just loses, we get to play in the t- championship game. You know, they're going crazy. And I had to go in that cockamamie oh. place and take that beating. So, yeah, it was that was tough to watch. Was it the most lopsided Washington State victory in the history of the Apple Cup? Did I read that right? Or it, no? It would make sense. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the guys on Washington State who had two interceptions, one of which was an, a pick six. Remember the guy number eight? Yeah. Marsh is his last name. Okay. His, his little brother played with the... Uh, Played basketball for many years with Brett. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. How many picks did, connection. Uh, did he have? Did he have three, maybe? At least three. I, no, I think he may have had four. Oh, maybe I stopped watching after three. Well, he's got a new coach. He does, yes. If he wants to stay around. Well, after what I saw, I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming gonna he's going to stay around. <laughs> yeah, now, Rick so. Neuheisel, during his segment, you're going to hear him say, don't just assume his name's Heward, so he's going to stay around. He's got a... He's got to feel confident in the program yeah. and the new coaching stuff. But he's getting a new coach who apparently, and I, I'm not going to sit here, and I'll let Rick Neuheisel talk a little bit about him. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am a Kalen DeBoer <laughs> yeah. connoisseur, some sort of an expert on this Fresno State, this now former Fresno State coach. But they went out and got themselves a young, aggressive, offensive-minded You know. I mean, we talked about this before we started. The guy that he turned into a 32 touchdown and nine interception guy is the former cast off of yep. the University of Washington, Jake Hayner. Yep. So this guy apparently is offers some offensive ingenuity. He had NAIA success. He had success at Fresno State. Yeah. His record's incredible. I looked it up at Fresno State. Well, how about the record at like South Dakota or wherever he was, Sioux Falls? He was like 67 and three Jeez, at yeah. one place. I love it. I mean, yeah. yes, it's not a big splash no. necessarily. No. But it's a guy who's been a head coach of a college football team, which I'll take for yes, now. Yes, yes. That's a positive for me. I guess the problem lies, it's hard. I mean, I don't want to poo poo the guy because I don't know anything about the guy. And for all I know, this is going to be the next Don James of your university. Sure. And I hope, and I hope for the, for the Huskies case, that this is a, a home run, a grand slam home run. It's just hard the day after or the same day that USC is hiring Lincoln Riley and paying him $10 million a oh, year. I know. You know, can't I coach running Washington backs? Fan, Washington fans, I think, want to believe that those types of guys come to Washington. Well, there we have, was a time. <laughs> we have the money to hire those types of guys. There was a time when they could yeah. say that confidently. Right. But those days are right. over. We're now right. going to Fresno State to look for the coach. So if Sam Heward stays and this guy is the quarterback guru and the offensive mind that everybody says yeah, he is, be great. then maybe it's a match made in heaven. Maybe next year you're going to see a, a, a quantum leap forward by young Sam Heward as the quarterback of the University of Washington. I mean, he really got thrown to the wolves. I mean, the team's not good. The scheme's not good. He's not good enough yet. He's only 18. He's not good enough to just go out there and whip it around and be, you know. It was really a no-win situation for him. So I I don't really like the way they used him. Maybe they shouldn't have played him at all. I don't want – I'm afraid for his confidence now. But There's no question that they mismanaged the quarterback position and him. The only – and I'm just bringing this up for food for thought. Okay? okay, I'm not I'm not offering you an opinion. Please don't take the question as an opinion. But yes, he was mismanaged. Yes, the system was crap. Yes, he was placed in an, an unbearable, untenable situation. Mm-hmm. But he didn't show me anything. Hmm. He missed a lot of receivers, like way off. Uh, he, he didn't seem very. And again, he's a young, young guy, right. and he may be one of the great 
quarterbacks in University of Washington history someday. I just, I would have liked to have seen some more. And I know he got, he got one game he came in for a series and he handled the ball off. And it was just a bad situation all the way around. I just didn't see much from him. I didn't see much from him. He did underthrow the ball a couple times. And, yeah. and but when he, when he threw it hard down the field, I, it looked special to me. It did? The way it came okay. off his hand. All right. It, he, he's got a gun. There's no question about that. He's a good athlete. Yeah, yeah. It, he's a baseball player too. It looked like a rocket coming out of his hand, but yeah, he did. Yeah. He did throw some jump balls, and yeah, I mean, look, you got crappy protection. You, you know, you got a crappy scheme. You it's don't know. Just, you, know. you don't know when you're playing. That, one week you're playing. Right. One week you're not. Right. You're going into the game in mop up situation. A couple times you went into the game and they were in the shadow of their own end zone, like at the two or three or five yard right. line, and you were placed. So I, I get all that, and I acknowledge that it was just a horrendous situation for the young man. Yep, for sure. I'm just bringing up that I saw a lot of bad throws too. Yeah, a lot of throws where there was a receiver eight or ten yards across the middle open, and the ball was not delivered accurately or on time. I'm just saying, and and it may that may mean nothing. Yeah, hopefully it does. He is young. He was in, yeah. what, in high school last year. He was in high school he last year. With his, with his helmet off, he looks 15. He really does. <laughs> I mean, he looks I really young. Oh my god, what I he saw. He looks him. really young. Did, did you enjoy the, the the Husky hype video they sent out about the about the new coach? Did you happen to see that? I saw the 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 video where uh, it's like a plane Jen involved. Cohen's on a private plane going to the house, hugging the kids and the wife. Yeah. And getting him to sign the contract. Yes. No. You didn't like that. It just seemed a little hokey to me. I don't know. I, I, are people going to get fired up for like her high fiving the new coach? I just thought it was kind of lame. No, my off base on that. It, it it didn't fire me up like it should have. It should have fired me up like I don't know. I don't know what they could have done differently. But get me excited for this. I don't know. Do we need Jen Cohen it's, in it high fiving people? It's social media. It's what they do. It's branding. Call call Russell Wilson's people. Yeah, He'll I, tell you all about that video and why that video is effective. I don't know. All right, You're I'm, asking me an old altacocker. What do I know about it? All right, that? fine. You probably I don't know. I, I did see the video, though. I watched it. All right. It didn't do much for me is all I'm saying. I'm, I'm I wasn't glad, fired up. I'm glad that Jen Cohen flies around on private planes. It's good to know. Yes, on taxpayer yeah. dollars. Let's go get nice. the UW coach. Let's go get our dogs coach. That's right, yeah. That's what she said. See, I, I didn't even need any of it. You know? I don't need to know that she's on private planes. It just seemed weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. People will tweet me that I'm an idiot. It was awesome. No, but they may not. It just may not. looked a little weird to me as well. Seahawks. I know that we're going to do the Seahawks no table with Joe and Brady in our next yeah. segment. Got any thoughts about Monday night's game? <laughs> you already made me say I was rooting against them. You were rooting against them. We know that. We put that aside. I texted you when they were on like the four. And I said, these guys are going to freaking go to overtime, aren't they? And then I wrote back, no, there's no way. They hadn't moved the ball at all, right? It was three and out, three and out, three and out. Drives all the way down and scores. I'm like, this... This mother is like teasing me because I was rooting for him when he scored. It was cool. Yeah. But then I'm like, forget it. Who cares? What if they tie it up? Are they going to win in overtime? I, I mean, can't tell you that I was the same way. You were rooting for him to win the of game? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm a Seahawks fan. I probably should too, but it no, just felt no. weird. You, you, you root for whatever you want to root for, and then you admit it. You're telling me you were rooting for the Washington football team. I just know what my eyes see, and it's not a good team whether it's they win or good. lose. It's not good. It's not good, right? It's not a good team. I will read you the tweet that I sent out as soon as the scoreboard hit all zeros. Okay. And this is what the tweet said from Mitch Seattle, Mitch underscore Seattle on Twitter. It says, and this is the way I feel, honestly, I don't see how anyone, and I mean anyone, can't look at this Seahawks team and not recognize sweeping changes need to be made. 
an owner, an owner's sister, a football fan, or a non-football fan, anyone. The product is stale, mismanaged, and broken, and it can't be more obvious. That's what I wrote, and that's how I feel. Do you feel that way about the defense, too? I feel that way about the entire Seahawks organization. Okay. So it's more than just, I mean, because you would say the defense played well. Did the Seahawks play, uh, the Seahawks defense play well on Monday night? Yeah, they kept them in the game while the offense couldn't get a first down in that second half. They gave them a chance. Yeah, the Seahawks defense played pretty well. Yeah, they get three, three and outs. But my my comment, my tweet is a bigger picture. More than that, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's time. And I, I don't know whether the people that are in place will make these types of decisions. All I hear is that Jody Allen loves Pete Carroll and will allow him to to kind of run the whole show and do as he pleases. Okay. So I'm not suggesting that any of this is going to happen, but from where I sit, it's plain and simple. Changes need to be made. They need a new coach. They need a new coaching staff. They might even need a new quarterback. They need new players. They need a new philosophy. They need a new draft strategy. They need a new trading strategy. I mean, the whole thing from top to bottom is an absolute disaster. I wonder if if what made Pete great was his enthusiasm and all. I, I wonder if it's just kind of run out. If just people are just kind of sick of it. His players are just don't see, know. seeing through it and just I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't want to try to speculate whether his enthusiasm doesn't work anymore. All I can do is is tell you what I see every Sunday and now on Mondays too yeah. and on Thursdays also. What I see is just a a poorly coached, a poorly assembled, yeah. very little in-game adjustments. I mean, every single week, it feels like that the coaching staff on the other side of the field is winning that battle. Yeah, every, sing- yeah. every single week. Yep. I heard about offensive coaches that were going to come in oh, and change it you up. you got to see this new tempo that Waldron's going to bring. It's going to be so fast. It's going to be different. And I, I keep hearing yeah. about... Uh, <laughs> I they keep coordinators too long. I mean, how long are we going to say that Ken? No- I mean, I, I know the defense played pretty well. Yeah, but, but I know what you're saying. Just overall, it's a bad. Might be thing. time to tear it down. Oh, it's a bad thing. We're hanging on to the Russell Wilson 2013 magic, and the magic is just not there. Does he look like he's having fun playing football? No, he doesn't. Does he? No. He just looks like the the least fun he's ever and had. And the truth is, he's not very good. Now, if you tell me that it's just has nothing to do with his finger. And you're trying to convince me that he's just not a very good quarterback anymore. Okay. All I know is that that quarterback that we're watching on Monday night, now, yeah, he did he take him down at the end? Did he take him 95 yards down and get the, the, the score that might have almost won the game for them to pull the game out? Yeah, he took him down the field. But the quarterback that I, the rest of the game, that's missing receivers and making poor decisions and not seeing certain guys open and not throwing the ball to the right guys and not targeting DK Metcalf. The guy that I'm watching, that doesn't even look like Russell Wilson to me. How many times did the announcer have to point out that Russell missed the wide open person? Did you see that? Every, almost every time. Well, he really should have thrown to this guy. He's wide open. That's the throw you make. I mean, yeah, I know. On some of the throws, it even looked like that Russell Wilson had no confidence in himself. Yeah. There was that long ball to Tyler Lockett in the very early stages of the game that led to the first touchdown and gave him a 7-3 lead. That long ball. He is so open. Russell Wilson is, I mean, Tyler Lockett is so open. 
if Russell Wilson throws that ball kind of on a line and just throws it to him, yeah. there's nobody around. He might score on that play, but instead he kind of throws it way up in the air and Kali lollygags it to kind of guides it to him. Yeah, to ensure that he catches Almost it. Almost yeah. as if to say, I'm not sure I can get him the ball. Yeah. He just... Yeah, it's not the Russell. I know. hope it's temporary, yeah, but too. he is he is like one of the... He's one of the worst 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. The Seattle Seahawks, literally, the quarterback play of the Seattle Seahawks in the last two or three weeks, call him Russell Wilson, call him a different name. That quarterback play that they're getting is bottom 10 quarterbacking in the National Football League. I, I believe that. I hope it's the finger. I hope he's better than this. Rusty, yeah. lost confidence, I don't know. Yeah. And not throwing temporary, to, permanent. I don't know. One of the best receivers in the game. You just refuse to throw to him. DK Metcalf. Like, maybe give him a, a chance to make a play. Well, I kept on. I kept on tweeting all night, and I'll say it to you that I don't understand why if Russell Wilson comes to the line of scrimmage, okay, and he's got, let's say, he's got a running play called. He's got a a sweep called. He's got a play that he's going to throw opposite of DK Metcalf. Whatever he's got called. Why can't he come to the line of scrimmage, peek over to, to DK Metcalf? Typically, the cornerback that's on DK Metcalf at the snap is playing about eight or 10 yards into the secondary on him, right? Yeah. Why can't he make a motion, tap his helmet, yell something, tap his back, and then take a snap, just throw it out to, to DK Metcalf? Yeah. And now you've got a one-on-one -on -one situation. The cornerback is now going to come up and try to make a tackle, and maybe he'll blow DK Metcalf. The smaller cornerback is going to try to come up and make a tackle on a 6'3 monster, right? Right. And if he does, it'll be a one-yard gain or a no gain or whatever. Maybe he'll blow him up. Maybe he'll cause a fumble. But there's also a chance that what could happen? Yeah, you like your chances with him one-on-one. One-on-one -on -one against right. a smaller guy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take my chances with DK. I, for yeah. the life of me, I, I can't understand why Russell Wilson can't just come up to the line and have a way to just do that. Just take the snap and throw it to him, and now let's see what happens. Well, this is a football play. My my 6'3", run like the wind, gigantic wide receiver against a 5'11 corner that's going to come up on single one-on-one -on -one tackling drill like you used to do in high school. Yep. Let's see what happens. My bet is that number 14 is going to win some of those. Yeah, a few. And if he breaks a tackle, now it's a 10 or a 12 or a 15 or 18-yard gain. Why can't they just do that? Well, he could audible to that all day. I don't why know, can't he? I don't know why he why doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, that, that's the question. He can. He just doesn't. Does Nobody he... has to do anything different. The running back doesn't have to do... I'm talking about taking a snap and just firing it out to yeah. him. So all the, there's only two people that have to know that that's going to happen. Him and 14. Comes to the line. We've, yeah. got, we've got an Alex Collins run called going over left tackle. You know what? Screw that. I see this cornerback. He's 8 or 10 yards off of DK Metcalf. I'm going to gesture to DK. Here we go. I'm just going to throw you the ball. I'll bet you he will do better than the Alex Collins off left tackle. Yeah. But they don't ever do that. They don't. It's almost like they can't. That they have to run the play that they call in the huddle. There's definitely audibles. They can. I don't know why, why? they're not. Why not try I, it? It's a great question for Russell Wilson. It's, it drives me nuts, too. It makes no sense. I mean, did you see the, the another time the announcer showed that DK was wide open, he didn't get thrown to? His body language was yeah. just like, yeah. mother, like, can I get the ball? Like, it's first fifteen, bad. You got to throw it to him in the first 15 plays. I or hand, with you. Or, or hand it to him Something. or toss it to him. Let him know. Let him get his hands on the ball and just let him know that he's, you know, he's part of it.
He's in the mix. Yeah, right. Makes no sense. Nope. These are these are these are football 101 thoughts. Yeah. This is a, you don't need Mitch unfiltered to share with you like Harvard sabermetrics data analysis. <laughs> right. This is a guy's eight yards off you. Throw to him. <laughs> and let's see if the guy right. can tackle him. Right. One-on-one, Drew. One-on-one. Yep, I know. Yeah. The whole thing is frustrating. It's so frustrating so, to watch them play. So now what's what do we do with Russell now? I mean, if let's say he continues this play throughout the year. Are you still going to get a ton for him? Is he decreasing his value? I, I mean, think I, you got to look. You got, I, you know, again, the first thing you got to do is who's making the decisions. Is Pete Carroll coming back? Is John Schneider coming back? Is John Schneider the one making the decisions? Who's yeah. making? Is Pete Carroll making the decision? But yeah, I, I think, I think you've got to leave no stone unturned during the offseason. The problem that we've talked about before is he's got veto rights. Right. He's got, he's got to approve any trade. And last offseason, the only trades that he would approve were to four different teams. There were four teams in the whole NFL. And so now the question is, if you don't get what you feel is the right market value for him from one of those four teams, are you going to trade him just to the highest bidder? Right. Or are you going to make sure I've got to get X amount for him? Otherwise, we're going to the gate with him next year. Right. You can't have a garage sale. And then the other question that you just brought up is, He's got to get hot. If you want him to have any market value, he's yeah. got to show by the end of the season that he's the old Russell Wilson. He keeps playing like this. Who wants him? Right. Who wants him at that cost? Plus, he's got a new contract coming up. Does anybody want this version of Russell Wilson? I mean, weren't the Dolphins ready to throw their entire franchise for him like before the season no. started? No. Oh, they weren't. I thought I heard he wasn't even. They weren't even one of his teams. The Dolphins weren't? No. Or maybe I'm thinking of Deshaun Watson. Yeah. But that, that market value Deshaun was... Watson. It was yeah. crazy what they were willing oh, to spend for everything. him. They were willing to give, give yeah. everything for yeah, Deshaun yeah, yeah. Watson. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Russell's a little older, but he's a, you could have gotten a ton for him at the beginning of the year. Russell Wilson better start playing like Russell Wilson yeah. if you want to get anything for him. And he's got, you've got weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. you got six weeks, right? Is that right? So they're five and, what are they, five and, are they four and eight now? Yeah, four and eight. Is that right, four and eight? So you've got, and they're going to play eighteen games. You got six. You got seventeen games. Seventeen. They're going to get five games left. I, I did. I thought. It, I thought it was really cute that the announcers were worried about Seahawks fans. If they don't win this game, their their season's essentially over. No, we know, guy. We've been watching this team all year. <laughs> well, now get, this is the game. I mean, come on. Don't get me started Playoffs. on the announcers, because I remember a day. I don't know if you remember this, where Monday Night Football was special. Yeah. And they had special announced teams like. Super entertaining, high quality announce teams. I watch these guys with all due respect to Steve Levy, who, if I get asked one more time if I'm related to him, <laughs> and these other guys, I mean, it's just. Steve's always yelling at me. Steve Levy said on the Seahawks game at one point tonight, maybe they should, t- maybe they should take a timeout to get a catch their win, right? Because that'll, that'll completely rejuvenate them. And and we're not going to need those timeouts later. Yeah. We're taking now <laughs> NFL teams are taking timeouts so that we can catch our breath. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because yeah. they're all out of shape by at this point in their career. The, the, yeah. the, uh, who who is, used to be special? Who is the Monday team? Night Football? It's Levy. It was Booger. He's not there anymore. No, 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 no. no. I don't even it's know who Greasy. they are. It's Greasy. It's Bob Greasy's son, Brian Greasy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't feel special. <laughs> Levy's just no yelling good. at me the whole time. It's no good. <laughs> God. It's no good. A, a couple of different times I went off to see if the if the Mannings were on. Oh, the other channel. Were they doing that? I don't think that they did it tonight. Oh, okay. Or Monday night. That's a good call. I always anyway. forget about that. Anyway. Oy. Yeah. It's been a while since we felt like this. Crack and Red Hot. We can talk about them during the other stuff segment. Let's do it. Um, 
Yeah, there's there's lots of a there's a ton of stuff in the other stuff segment. Okay, thank God. Okay, let's catch up with the Zeke's Pizza President Dapper Dan Black, who joins us back on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. How are we doing, Dan? How are Zeke's Pizzas doing? Well, obviously I'm looking good given my nickname. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, no, and Zeke's is doing well. Post-COVID, it's fun being open, having dining rooms open again. Pickup and delivery is still going good. People are ordering pizza, they're ordering beer, so yeah, it's fun. You know, Kraken fever is at a high, high pitch. Everybody's loving the Kraken, everybody's loving Climate Pledge Arena, and the first ever location that I went to of Zeke's was that Belltown location. I would imagine that's a good spot pre and post game Kraken. Yes? Oh yeah, it's been awesome. We love the Kraken, uh, especially at that spot. You know, you mentioned the Belltown restaurant. It's got a great bar. I mean, it's like we always talk about, we have a really awesome Pacific Northwest beer list, but we've got cocktails, wine, everything you want in a full beer. So yeah, that location has been really lively before the game, the restaurant and bars packed out and then post game as well. We stay open late on Kraken nights. And so the bar fills up after the games, people just want to keep the party going and, and we're happy to do it with them. It's now, fun. You, now you told us about Spokane the last time you were on the show. What are we doing? We got a couple of newbies coming to Western Washington, I understand. Yeah, we're swinging hammers in Spokane. It's getting close. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple on the west side here, too, that are that are within striking distance. Uh, Mill Creek up north uh, is going to be coming online relatively soon. And then White Center as well, closer into the city. And yeah, we expect them both to be really fun. The one in White Center's right in with Beer Star and stuff, so it's going to be a really cool location. And what's the Black family holiday choice in terms of orders? Yeah, for whatever reason, when it gets cold, we start to go a little bit more spicy on our end. So we're still drinking those fresh hop IPAs, so lateral A, but then the pizzas we're ordering that go good with them are the Cherry Bomb and the Dragon, which are kind of two of our classics. Both got a little kick to them, so nice. that's what we've been ordering. Gotta love Zeke's Pizza. Great partner of mine going back to the radio days. And Dan Black has been incredibly kind to us. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Good protection. Wilson fires it in, and it is caught. Touchdown, Gerald Everett on a seed from Wilson. Seattle rushing four. McKissick. Five. Touchdown, Washington. Second and goal. Has a touchdown, has two touchdowns now into the end zone. J.D. McKissick for Washington. I'm really proud of the way these guys keep battling and fighting hard and, and, and uh, doing what we need to do to hit the heck out of people and make things happen uh, when we get a chance. But uh, the results just aren't coming. Man, we can't, we can't get these games won. Seahawks No Table Time, episode 168. It's brought to you by Taco Time. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. You know, you can call it the Seahawks no table, but Brady, here's one for you. If you take the T from table and you shift it over to the no side, what do you have? The Seahawks. Not able. <laughs> How long have you been workshopping that one, Mitch? <laughs> Who came uh, up with that? Was uh, that Scott? That that was me. That was all me. It was all. I don't believe that. It was all while I was waiting for you on a on a Monday night in near our nation's capital in a 17-15 loss to drop the uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Brady, are you ready, Joe? The Seattle Seahawks. Now there are only three teams 
in all the National Football League that are worse. Name them, Joe. Name the three teams that have a worse record. The Jags, the Jets. No, not the Jets. The Jags, the Texans, and the Lions. The Lions, the Texans, and the Jaguars. What kind of odds could I have gotten, Joe, in Vegas before the season started that those would be the only three teams through 12 games or what is it, 11 11 games that would have a worse record than the Seattle Seahawks. Really good odds. <laughs> Just end it there. Just really great. Oh. You would have made a lot of money. Oh, my you should God. Have, you should have put your entire home and retirement account on <laughs> the under for the Seahawks win total this year. What was the win total? I think it was like nine and a half. Unbelievable. Maybe ten and a half. Brady, why did the Seahawks they lose on there? Why did the Seahawks lose on Monday night, 17-15, to the Washington football team? Uh, their offense is in shambles. And, you know, I thought coming into this game that, you know, as bad as things have been, as bad as they were, especially over the first two games that Russell Wilson was back when they got shut out in Green Bay, then scored, uh, what, 13 points last week against Arizona. You know, this has very much been isolated to a third down issue. If you look at the numbers, uh, one of the better offenses by a few metrics on first and second down and the worst offense or, or by most metrics uh, and one of the worst offenses by most metrics um, on third down. So it's very much been an isolated issue. I thought in this game it was it was more than just third down. I mean, not that they were good on third down. They were 4-12 and two of those conversions came uh, on the last drive, you know, when they got back into the game with that 96-yard touchdown drive. Uh, but this is, this was just a bad offense overall. Um, you know they have been is probably you know as as bad as they've done sustaining drives and scoring. You know turnovers have not really been an issue. Alex Collins coughed up a big fumble uh, after Jamal Adams had that interception, and you know they did not lose this game because of their defense. They probably could have done a better job at a few things, including uh, defending some uh, you know some running backs out of the backfield. Uh, Washington had some long sustained drives. But this, this again, was on the offense, and it's just it's hard to fathom how an offense with this good of a quarterback, this many weapons, uh, can be this ineffective. 26 points in the last three weeks. I mean, when you consider that two of the points scored Monday night were on special teams. 26 points in three weeks with Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Gerald Everett. It's just hard to comprehend. Brady, tell that lady behind you to uh, either quiet down or join us on the Seahawks Not Able. Okay, we want to hear from her specifically if she's going to be with us. She's hopping on clean feet as we speak. (laughs) Joe, your take on the uh, the Monday night loss, loss number eight. They just keep piling up, Joe. Everything we've had, you know, to say over the last month or two, it all continues to, to be true. I think it's wild that for a second straight game, had a team had a competent kicker, or in Washington's case, a healthy kicker, it would have been over well before it was actually over. Um, the the one drive that Brady mentioned, the long touchdown drive at the end of the game, only happened because Washington was forced to go for it on fourth and goal rather than kick a field goal that would have made it a two possession game, uh, and then you know at that point really ending the game. It's not good, and I felt like at halftime there were some good moments, um, but it just goes to show you this team, again, is completely dependent on the big play, um, a couple of busted coverages. Russ made some nice throws. The one touchdown pass to Gerald Everett was a really nice throw. Um, one, you know, the, the second long ball uh, down the left sideline of Tyler Lockett was a nice ball. But the decision-making is bad. 
still the misfires uh, in terms of just guys that are wide open and he's overthrowing. Uh, to me, I guess that would point to the finger still not being right, even though he's adamant that that's not the case. I don't know. It's hard to know what to add at this point because it just it feels it almost feels sad at this point that this is maybe the way it's all going to end for this era. Um, it's just it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Brady, there's only one team in the National Football League to go three and out five straight possessions. I learned that because because I follow Brady Henderson on Twitter. And that team, the only team that's gone three and out on five straight possessions, has actually done it twice, has accomplished the rare feat twice. Who is that team? Uh, That's the Seattle Seahawks. Both times with Russell Wilson or one time with Geno Smith? I believe the other time was uh, San Francisco in week four. So that that would have been the game before Russell got hurt. Wow. Yep. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, going back to some of the throws that Wilson missed, I mean, Joe's right. He, he continues to say that his finger is fine and that it's not an issue. And he has said, I think, uh, after the last Arizona game that, you know, rust is not an issue. And it's getting to a point where you just got to wonder if Wilson is, if he's just kind of saying what he thinks is the right thing, knowing that, you know, he's such a proud guy that he doesn't want to make excuses. I mean, it's just hard to to – fathom how it couldn't be the finger or it couldn't be a product of Russ when he's missing these throws that you don't see him miss and and, you know he might miss prior to this season or prior to his finger injury you know maybe there would be one maybe two throws in a game where he misses but this is continually sailing throws and it's multiple throws a game and you just it's so uncharacteristic that I, I don't know what else it could be and the finger is such a logical explanation for that you know you've got it's it's the it's the right middle finger on his throwing hand it's probably the last finger that uh you know touches the ball when it comes out of his hand it's it's just i've just seen you know too much of russell wilson over nine plus seasons too accurate of a quarterback to to not think that the finger could be affecting him uh on some of those throws that he that he's been missing and especially considering that they're typically you know, most of these misses are he's sailing throws. He's, I guess there, there have been some uh, that he's kind of short hopped, but for the most part, it seems like balls are sailing on him. And you just got to wonder if the finger is more of an issue than he's leading on. Joe Fan, when you have a weapon like DK Metcalf, it's we, I, I'm hearing the expression hard to fathom a lot on the Seahawks no table this week. So I'll use it. It's, it's hard to fathom that you wouldn't come into the game in the first 10 or 12 plays, maybe less, and say, okay, 14 touches the ball. We either pitch it to him, we throw it out to him on a bubble screen, we put him in the backfield, we, lay, we, we, we let him take a direct snap. Wildcat, baby. We, 14 is going to touch the ball in the first 15 plays if it's the last thing we do. What's the conceivable explanation that he could go a whole half on Monday Night Football and not be targeted one time by Shane Waldron, Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson. Explain it. I can't. I can't. We've had, we, we've tried. We, we've been trying to explain, dating back to last season, why it's so damn hard for this offense to get the football in the hands of their best players. How many times have we talked about Tyler Lockett going MIA for multiple games at a time? DK Metcalf now is, has been sub sub 50 yards for four games in a row how on earth is that possible i know that 
that DK Metcalf isn't Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. I know or I believe that Russell Wilson isn't Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't mean he's not amazing. And if you if you do believe that he is, then this only proves my point even more. But yeah, week in and week out, Aaron Rodgers is able to deliver the football to Devontae Adams in a myriad of ways, and he puts up monster numbers against no matter what the coverage is, no matter what the defense they're playing is, good players figure it out. I just have I have a hard time again comprehending and I guess that doesn't make for great analysis but it, it just again it all comes back to it shouldn't be this much of a struggle to figure it out how to get DK Metcalf a couple early touches get him in space manufacture him a touch or two just to get him integrated into the game and even the times where he's just not looking for him you know I think the two-point conversion is a perfect example why, why are you trying to force a pass into Freddie Swain when DK Metcalf, you're not under pressure, you got a clean pocket, and DK Metcalf looks to be breaking open, crossing from, from left to right in the end zone. There's a fourth down play in the or I mean a late third down play, you know, where it was a quick slant. I think it was also maybe Fred, you know, either Freddie Swain or, or uh D Eskridge. I, I just I don't know. It, it's it's beyond me. Yeah, and, and Pete Carroll was he made it clear that the reason why Metcalf didn't have a target in the first half, it was not for lack of trying. He he said that he was involved in a lot of their calls. Now, is there more that they could do to get him the ball just from a play calling and scheme standpoint? I'm sure there is, but my inclination is that this was more about Russell either not hitting him, uh, or I guess if it's lack of targets in the first half, it's it's not throwing his way, not seeing him, uh, whatever the case is. I think his first target in the third quarter was kind of sailed over his head. Uh, and I think Russ said that he was kind of had to throw off his back foot on that one because he had some pressure in his face. One target, what did he have, four targets, one catch on four targets. And this was, you know, again, an issue last week uh, in Arizona. I remember they went two of ten on third down, and the trio of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Gerald Everett, their three best pass catchers, had a combined one target on third down. It's, it's uh, obviously the third down struggles are a huge reason why this offense right. is not going and not getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers is one of the reasons for that. Now, Tyler Lockett had that huge catch on third down on the uh, first scoring drive. Gerald Everett's touchdown was on third down. So um, they did get those guys involved, but Metcalf was really the odd man out in this one. Brady, I keep asking the question. No one seems to have an answer. Maybe you've got an answer. Why can't Russell Wilson come to the line of scrimmage every once in a while, no matter what the call is, running play or passing play, Look over at DK Metcalf and see that the corner's off eight yards. Make some sort of a gesture to him and just take the snap and throw it out to him. And now you've got a one-on-one drill like that happens in practice. You've got a shorter, smaller cornerback coming up to try to make a tackle. If he makes a tackle, it's no gain or one yard. If DK makes a miss or breaks a tackle, it's an 8 or 10 or a 15-yard gain. Why can't that just happen? I don't get it. It's not that hard. Just come up to the line of scrimmage, look at that corner, and throw the ball out to 14. Let's go one-on-one and see what happens out in the open field. Why not? What am I missing? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And, you know, there I'm sure that there were some plays in this game where he was doubled and he just was taken out of the play. But that did not happen on every play, and that certainly did not happen 
the majority of the times in the first half when he did not get a target. So, but du- but I, du- I wish but, I had a better answer. But doubled is not an explanation for what I'm talking about. He could be doubled for what I'm talking about. He's not doubled at the line of scrimmage. They don't have two guys up on him at the line of scrimmage in press coverage. If you watch the video, even when he's double covered, the one corner at the snap is eight or ten yards off the line with him. And he could have a one-on-one situation with the ball in his hands a yard or two down down the field. And they it's almost as if they are not equipped offensively, Joe, to make that adjustment. We see that all the time. Tom Brady did it with no-name wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. They come to the line, they do something with their hands, and they just throw the ball out to the receiver. How hard could it be? What am I – Joe – what, what am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything. I, I've mentioned last week that I think among Russell's deficiencies, or I don't think he's a true field general at the line of scrimmage in terms of diagnosing what he's looking at, what defenses are going to throw at him. You know, you heard a week ago Vance Joseph singing his own praises about the different looks that he gave Russell Wilson and showing something different pre-snap than what they got post-snap and, and really – basically saying that they confused Russ and it and it, it worked wonders and we've seen that a ton against Arizona but we've seen it against a bunch of teams and so I, I don't you're not wrong you're not out of pocket I, I think there's something to it and we've seen this movie enough to where there's legitimacy to it here's a stat that I, I don't you know I don't think it's completely correlated but I think it's relevant and uh, this comes from um, ESPN uh, or Brady's ESPN colleague Mike Clay Um, NFL offenses are averaging 63.3 snaps per game. The Seahawks ran 45 on Monday night and are now averaging an NFL low 54.1 per game this season and haven't been above 64 in a single game this season. Again, the league average per game is 63.3. The Seahawks haven't snapped the ball offensively above 64 times in a single game. Meanwhile, the Washington football team ran 79 plays on Monday night, and Seahawks opponents are averaging an NFL high 73.4 snaps per game and at least 67 in every game. I mean, wow. (laughs) I, <laughs> it's astonishingly bad. All right, Brady Henderson uh, in uh, or near Washington, D.C. What's the injury situation coming out of Monday night? Uh, really not that bad. Uh, I think the only Seahawks player I saw get injured, I think, was Al Woods, and then he came back into the game. Um, there was no no injury updates from Pete Carroll after the game just because I don't know if there were any to give. So of all, of all the things that are wrong with them, I don't think injuries right now, at okay. least from this game, are, are one of them. Okay, it's time for the Taco Time Northwest player of the game. you got to come up with a Seahawk who had a good game. I'll start Jamal Adams. I thought Jamal Adams played a good game, made some impact plays, came up with an interception, was able to, uh, I guess, knock the ball free late in the game to give the Seahawks a chance. I'll call Jamal Adams doing some work for the uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. What do you say, Joe? Who was doing work? Yeah, I think Quandre Diggs deserves love as well. The interception was put uh, on a platter for Jamal Adams, uh, given the hit by Quandre Diggs. Jamal Adams nearly dropped it as well. But he did secure it. It was a big takeaway um, in their own territory. Quandre Diggs, I think, continues to have a nice season. Uh, that was a big-time hit by him. And I think you got to give love to Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, 14 tackles each. I think the Washington football team tried to run a ton of stuff underneath. Um, Antonio Gibson had seven catches, a number of, of those being screens. And it felt it feels like this team has been gashed 
by screens on a, a week to week basis. And they did a really good job in terms of limiting the damage on those plays. Seven catches for Gibson for just 35 yards. You'll live with that every single time if you're the Seahawks defense. So, yeah, I think, you know, you look at some of those guys on defense that that really had had nice games. Yeah. The Seahawks defense clearly gave them a chance late in the game. That's the only reason why they had a chance. Brady, do you have a uh, a Seahawk who was doing some work on Monday night? Well, first of all, I'll give a shout out to some of the uh, FedEx Field Stadium workers who are doing some work that you could probably hear in the background. Oh yeah, we hear it. Well. Also, going to give Joe a shout out for doing some work by literally naming like five different players and leaving me uh, for no original doing work pick. So I'm going to double up on Joe's mention of Jordan Brooks, 14 tackles. I think Joe may have mentioned that. I think the uh, you know the job he did on the screen pass was notable. That is, we've talked about this. They've talked about. It. It's been a problem for their defense this season. I'll give you a stat. Going into this game, they had allowed the most receiving yards to opposing running backs of any team. And if you if you take their average, going into this game was like 72 and change or something like that. According to our stats department at ESPN, that would be the, the highest per game average of receiving yards to opposing running backs of any team since at least 2000. So that gives you an idea of, of how much trouble they've had defending screen passes. And Jordan Brooks has kind of been right there, and he he was uh, pretty blunt about that a few weeks ago. So was Pete Carroll, saying that Brooks needs to do a better job of recognizing those. I think he's done a better job of that. He had a, a nice one, uh, you know, tackling the ball carrier. I think right near the line of scrimmage, maybe for a one-yard loss. And he just had a, a couple big hits. Just seemed to be in the right spots uh, for the most part. So this, I don't know. I mean, th- this may have been one of his better games as a pro. He was doing work. I think it's worth giving love to Gerald Everett as well. Five catches for 37 yards and a touchdown. But that number should have been seven or eight catches for you know well over 50 yards and a couple more first downs picked up. The one touchdown catch was a nice grab. Uh, highly contested ball. I still don't know how it wasn't tipped, but it was a nice throw, but it was on a line. And Gerald Everett, with sure hands, uh, made the catch for the touchdown. So um, I, I think he has been really everything the Seahawks could have wanted in that addition, that $6 million addition over the offseason. I think anytime he's gotten an opportunity, it feels like he's come through for this team. Uh, you know, the one boneheaded ta- taunting penalty aside, uh, I don't think Seahawks fans, I think the only thing you'd want more is just him getting the football yeah. more and being further integrated into the offense. But when no one's producing, um, it's hard to expect much more out of your tight end. Um, but I do think Gerald Everett deserves some flowers as well. Hard to give any credit to the uh, to the Seattle Seahawks offense, but I hear you. Everett's been good just about the entire season. Joe Fan was doing some work. He won the KP. He was the only one who had the Washington football team and the closest to the pink competition, so he draws closer. We'll give you the updated standings when we do our, for patrons, Seahawks no table or Seahawks not able, whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to call it these days. We thank Brady Henderson in... Uh, well, it's not really D.C. It's kind of Landover, Landover Maryland. Maryland. Landover, We're about 30 Maryland. minutes outside yeah. of D.C. Travel home safe. Thank you, Brady. Okay, thanks. And Joe Fan, Joey Vegas in, uh, in Seattle for a little weekend, a little Thanksgiving weekend with his family. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. It's official now. The holiday season is here. And when I think holiday season in the Pacific Northwest, I think a lot of things, one of which is absolutely Daniel's Broiler. My family loves Daniel's Broiler for the holidays. We'll be there. Sold out at three locations on Thanksgiving Day. Joining us now, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, who's going to tell us about another event that I'm not really aware of, Lindsay Schwartz. Hi, Lindsay. 
Hey, Mitch. Yeah, excited to talk about our 13th annual Champagne Gala at Daniel's Bellevue at 6 p.m. on December 8th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I don't know about this Champagne dinner. You say 13th annual. That's longer running than the Bourbon Bash. That's longer running than the Apple Cup with Heward and Bledsoe. I didn't even know much about this. I'm not a Champagne guy for the most part, as you know. Is there a featured champagne on December the 8th? There is a featured champagne. It's called Nicolas Fouillette, and it's uh, (laughs) outstanding. And and people out there that know champagne are going to know that one, and they're going to love it. Are you sure that it's outstanding? How many times have you had it? Well, you know I'm more of a bourbon or or red wine kind of guy, but people tell me it's outstanding. Is this the one that we should use next year when the last undefeated NFL team falls? Nicolas Fouillette, is that what you're telling me i think you would have to increase your budget a lot i think uh, i've seen the champagne that you drink every year and uh, i think this is gonna be a little bit more expensive all right december the 8th at daniel's broiler in bellevue go to danielsbroiler.com to reserve your chair your seat for you and your loved one. How are we doing employee-wise at Daniel's Broiler? You know, it's been getting better every week, so we're grateful for that, but we're always looking for good people that want to come to work in our industry. So if you know anybody, please send them our way. Okay. Danielsbroiler.com for the 13th annual Champagne Dinner, December the 8th. Also, Danielsbroiler.com if you're looking for some work. Daniel's Broiler is still looking for some great people. They've been a fabulous partner of mine. I don't know for how long. 20 years, going back to the radio days, we love Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Miraculous comeback here for Washington. This pass is tipped and intercepted. Off the hands of Colt, the tight end, and taken back by Armani Marsh all the way. Is that the dagger? First down and 10 at the Ohio State 31. Again, they run it. Haskins sprinting. Out of bounds at the five. Very in motion. The throw goes the other way. Mechie's in. Alabama wins in four overtimes. Hey, it's Neuheisel time. Taco Time NW presents Rick Neuheisel. Still wanting you needing some good employees tacotimenw.com slash careers to set up a 15-minute Zoom interview. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is straight from New York City. Our friend Rick Neuheisel, who, by the way, I don't care about all these coaching hires. I'm just going to say it. He gave us FSU plus three and a half. What was the final score of the game, Rick Neuheisel? I believe it was 24-21, my good friend. <laughs> We'll take the three and a half. And the hook came in handy. And how about me uh, getting you that air ball by the kicker on the onside (laughs) kick? Oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to catch fire. But is it too late? We'll have to wait and see what he's going to give us next with the conference with the conference championship games on the horizon. But Rick Neuheisel, I know everybody in our audience wants to know. A lot has happened. We actually postponed this interview by a day because the Seahawks are playing on Monday night instead of Sunday this week. And it's a good thing that we did because a lot has happened. Let's begin right here, Rick. Don James, Rick Neuheisel, Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Peterson, to name a few. Now, Kalen DeBoer. What do you think of Kalen DeBoer, the next University of Washington head football coach? 
I think he's been uh, very, very good in the brief time that he's been a head coach at the FBS level. Now, he, uh, he goes back. He was a head coach before this uh, at the small school in South Dakota. But, uh, and I think he was like, went crazy, like 67-3 and three or something yeah. like that. Right. But he's a very good coach. I talked to Jeff Tedford about him. He was Jeff Tedford's offensive coordinator at Fresno for a couple of years before he went to um, – uh, Indiana for a one-year stint there before getting the head coaching job back at uh, Fresno, and he couldn't say enough nice things. So excited for Kalen, and uh, hopefully Husky fans will give him a warm welcome. They always do, and we'll see what he can get done. Do you feel like they swung for something bigger and may have come up with this? I don't want to say consolation prize because that that wouldn't be fair, but you know it's hard to it's hard to accept when you're sitting at the University of Washington watching USC hire Lincoln Riley, and then you get the head coach from Fresno to come to be the coach at the University of Washington. It's, it's easy to start thinking, well, we got to go get star power. we got to go get somebody whose name we recognize and think that that's what really goes into a coaching search. What has to go into a coaching search is finding somebody who fits the situation that you're in. And uh, I had heard that they were interested in Matt Campbell uh, at Iowa State. I'm sure there were some other names that were on their list. But at day's end, I think this guy from the Central Valley of California, where resources are not plentiful and you just got to find guys that can just play hard and with great grit, uh, I think that's exactly what Washington uh, needs. And I think that's exactly what they're going to get. He's a quarterback guy. I think the quarterback that he had, Mitch, I think was a transfer yes. from Washington. Jay Kaner. Jay Kaner. Jay Kaner. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a guy that uh, was a discard at, at Washington ended up becoming a superstar in the Mountain West. He beat UCLA in an epic performance that I watched uh, myself late into the night out here on the East Coast. And uh, I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with the quarterback talent that's already there in uh, Seattle and, and uh, see if maybe others are going to now be interested in coming because of his prowess with that position. Let me, in a fragile way, ask you whether this was a good day for young Sam Heward or do we not know yet? You know, coaching changes oftentimes – mean transfers especially when you can go into a transfer portal and I and I assume still play right away should Washington fans be holding their collective breaths about Sam Heward or should we all say to ourselves look he's a Heward he's going to stay at the University of Washington well I don't know that you can just say by virtue of his name he's going to stay but if he's a quarterback that uh, really wants to get better then I think this is a great day for him this guy has some quarterback pedigree Michael Penix at Indiana had his best year when Kalen DeBoer was his coach. This guy getting here will give you some structure. It's a quarterback-friendly offense that you saw at Fresno State. I'm not sure he'll stay in as much four wides as he did there. He'll probably get into some more tight end offense, but that will suit Sam Heward just fine. What Sam Heward has to be aware of is there's going to be competition. And if he's not afraid of competition – then I think he'll uh, he'll benefit greatly. It seems like Lincoln Riley said no to a preposterous amount of money at LSU. Then he left Oklahoma for USC. Everybody is speculating he doesn't want to play in the SEC. He doesn't want to play in the SEC. Oklahoma's headed there. 
First of all, do you believe any of that? And second of all, what is so special in your estimation that makes him the Pied Piper right now? Everybody wants to get a hold of Lincoln Riley. Well, he's kind of the chosen one, right? He was anointed uh, by Bob Stoops to be the next uh, head coach. Bob Stoops stepped away from the job while he was doing very well and young and and, uh, just stepped away. And so it kind of landed in his lap, which was a wonderful, wonderful thing for him. And then he produced. He produced beautifully. He got to the college football playoff three times. He didn't win any of those games, but he was in an epic one against Georgia. Uh, and, and listen, I just think the guy has the right stuff. I think he was down on the Oklahoma decision to move to the SEC. Not, I, I don't think because of the competition. There will be some that will say that's the reason. But I just think he thinks the SEC does things in a different way. And he didn't want to necessarily go in that direction. For Pac-12 fans, this is a day to rejoice. Because not only does this give USC a chance to get back to a national brand, a a national power, but it also is going to draw the eyeballs of the television networks. It's going to draw their interest into creating a big contract when, as we know, these negotiations, if they haven't already started or are about to, I I think this is great news for the Pac-12. And you'll watch. Others will follow. Uh, Others will follow with, uh, you know, continuing to resource their programs in the proper way. And I think it's a great day for the Pac-12. Do you have a best guess on annual salary at USC? Oh, I think it's got to be – I think it's got to be somewhere close to nine, ten million bucks. Wow! Uh, I mean, he was being, as you mentioned, uh, offered outrageous sums at LSU. Anybody uh, pitting the two against each other can create a deal, and his, you know, squeaky clean reputation, I think, was the envy of uh, all those folks in Southern California. So I, I think they're paying. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it were a ten-figure or an eight-figure deal. Have a quick thought about Billy Napier at Florida. Will Steve Spurrier fans rejoice in Gainesville? I think Billy Napier will be successful there. You know, he's done a nice job at Louisiana. He spent some time apprenticing in both the Alabama and Clemson programs. So he's learned from some of the best. And now it's just about, you know, a fundamental love for recruiting. That, at the end of the day, was what got Dan Mullen, and he never, ever made it public that that wasn't the case, that he really did like it. He was, uh, you know, kind of in his own world, and I think that just uh, created a real frenzy amongst Gator fans that they were never going to catch Georgia if they didn't have somebody the equal of Kirby Smart in the recruiting world. Mm -hmm. Rick Neuheisel is with us. So now what at Oklahoma? Now what at LSU? And to a lesser extent, now what at Virginia Tech? So let's start with Oklahoma. Cliff Kingsbury has been very coy uh, in terms of not denying his interest there. I think that's obviously to try to get a new deal at uh, the Cardinals, but the NFL doesn't need to play these games like James Franklin was able to play and parlay the the last couple of years in Big Ten conference play. He was 8-10 and in conference play and parlayed it into an $85 million deal over 10 years. So we'll see if Cliff Kingsbury is really a player there. I think Mark Stoops, Bobby's younger brother, uh, would be a good choice. Uh, he's a guy that has paid his dues and done a great job at Kentucky. They finished 9-3 and three at Kentucky. 
And I know Bobby Stoops would be in there lobbying for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby's going to coach the bowl game, Mitch, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. And then the uh, the other guy that I'd throw in there, also an Oklahoma Roots guy, is Josh Heupel, uh-huh. who did a really nice job sure. uh, at Tennessee trying to resurrect that program in just his first year, having left UCF with a couple of really good seasons there. LSU? LSU, I'm going to say Brian Kelly's in on that deal. Ooh, Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame for LSU? I just know Scott Woodward, and Scott Woodward (laughs) is not going to take a second. He is going to get a top name. All right, story of the weekend. We get away from coaching searches and vacancies and hirings. I have to say the coach khaki pants, Rick. I, I still have a little trouble seeing him happy. But he's happy right now. I don't know how long the happiness and the grin will last, but he's happy right now. Did you see that coming in the big house? The snow. It just, you know what? I felt Ohio State was going to win the entire week. I felt Ohio State was going to win. Until you saw that weather, and then you're yeah. going, you know what? Yeah. This is just so boat Beckler. This is just so yeah. vintage. Big Ten. And uh, the, fly, the fly by the seat of yeah. the pants boys had no chance. Yeah. Uh, Listen, congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. It was a whale of a coaching job. It was a whale of a season. Uh, Hopefully they didn't uh, play themselves uh, out of all their emotion because they're going to need some against Iowa, although they're clearly the better team. But uh, it was was an epic, epic performance uh, on both sides of the ball, and in particular in the trenches. They ran for 297 yards, and uh, Ohio State ran for 63. You can't do that. And I think the big grin on his face, Mitch, wasn't as much for that he finally slayed the dragon that was Ohio State, right? He, he got over that hump. But now he can take his golf clubs out of the closet. He swore off golf until he beat Ohio State. And you and I both know what that must feel like to finally be able to actually put a peg in the ground and take your first backswing. What kind of a player, what kind of a golfer could Jim Harbaugh be? I don't know, but if he's been out for six years, I'm, I want all he, wa- all he wants, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you name the court. <laughs> okay, Alabama goes 97 yards. We end up with the, the crazy two-point conversion overtime, which you and I have talked about before. is just an insult to the game that we love so very much. I, I got a funny feeling that in about 50 years, we'll all be gone, and people will be laughing at us that we actually, in the year 2021 – we solved games results with two-point conversions, but that's for another day. 97 yards, season on the line, Heisman's on the line, Alabama does it, they eke by Auburn, but are we just now, after all of these instances of of tight games and the, the big spiel by Coach Nick Saban last week on radio, are we just ha- do we have to come to the conclusion that Alabama is just not as good as we all thought that they were? Oh, I think that's absolute. Uh, doesn't mean they can't still win because they do have a, a uniquely talented quarterback. As I said in the aftermath of the game on CBS, Bryce is ice. Hmm. That was that his poise in those situations, and cl- uh, clearly all season long, has been really something to behold. And to go 97 yards and hit a freshman who'd had up to that date two catches on the entire year was something just to just to soak up. But as we get ready for a SEC championship game, Alabama's got deficiencies on the offensive line, uh, especially on the right side, and they've got a running back issue. 
Uh, I don't know that uh, their starting quarterback, Brian Robinson, will be ready to go. It looked like a hamstring to me. Those are always iffy. So they're going to have to cobble together a uh, plan. I'm sure you'll see a bunch of four wide receivers, maybe personnel things that don't have running backs even in them, and let Bryce Young operate from empty against the best defense in college football. So fingers crossed for Alabama. Okay, I'm sure we'll get a prediction from you on that game. We have to, even if it's not your pick at the end of the show this week. And I don't want to spend too much time on the rankings because by the time people listen to this later in the week, they'll already have been out. So we know Georgia's going to be up at number one. Michigan is either going to jump into four. They're going to jump Cincinnati. Maybe they'll jump Cincinnati and Alabama. We think we know the four, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati in some order. And then the intrigue of Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. What if Oklahoma State beats Baylor again with Notre Dame not playing this week. So just give us kind of a sense as we get to conference championship. And then I'm going to give you a crazy scenario that you're going to have to decipher. I, I, I feel like you need a little maze. You need a little, a little challenge on this episode of Mitch Unfiltered. But before we get that, what, what has to happen for OK State to get in versus Notre Dame to get in? I think if Oklahoma State wins, they're in barring an Alabama victory over Georgia. Wow. I think an Oklahoma State victory uh, gets them in. I think that was an impressive win, the Bedlam win, another top 10, uh, another top 10 team uh, on the schedule this week in, in the Big 12 championship game. If they beat uh, the Baylor Bears in Arlington, I think they're in. Who do they bump? No, well, Alabama will be out. That, that, that's who they'll bump. Alabama will be out, uh, and so Cincinnati and Oklahoma State are in. Okay. Alabama, only way to lose and still be in is a Baylor victory yeah. in the uh, Big 12 championship game, and uh, possibly they might need a Cincinnati loss to Houston as well. Okay. Are you ready for your challenge? You Give me the uh, the <laughs> what, what was the uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek? What was the oh, uh, the Kabashi challenge or something know. like that? I don't know. Or the Kobayashi Trek. thing, <laughs> where, where he ha- actually changed the rules so that he could win. It was an unwinnable test, but he changed the rules so that he could win. Uh, you might actually need a pe- a pencil and a piece of paper, but maybe not. I'm going to give you the final scores from this week's games. Okay. I'm going to look into my crystal ball and give you four final scores, and you're going to tell me one, two, three, and four in that order as a result of these conclusions. Are you ready? The committee will will determine who is one, two, three, and four after these scores yes. as they watch and eat their delicious maple bacon in <laughs> Grapevine, Texas. Go ahead. Georgia 34, <laughs> Alabama 13. Okay. Iowa 24, Michigan 23. Okay. Houston 34, Cincinnati 28. 34-28? Yep. Gotcha. And Baylor 27, Oklahoma State 23. (laughs) Chaos. You've given me chaos. And how much fun would it be, right? How much fun would it be? Okay, with those scores, yes, I am going to say Georgia won. That now Notre Dame is in the number two team in the land. 
will be mm. Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the number two team in the land is Notre Dame. The number uh, three team in the land is going to be uh, Michigan. A non-Big Ten champion Michigan with two losses. Right. Okay. And now here, here's the question. Cincinnati loses 34-28. I've got Notre Dame in. Do I also put Cincinnati in, or is this a chance to give a two? This is a chance to give either Alabama or Ohio State a, a, a two-loss team in oh. because those are the two really best teams. But in the deserving question, <laughs> this is this is rough. I like this. I like. This a lot you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna put uh you know what i'm i can't do cincinnati cincinnati for a group of five team to get there they have to be undefeated by the way if cincinnati loses the game they're not even this they, they don't even get to be the group of the, the new year's day six guy okay because they haven't won their conference okay. it would be houston that would be the new year's day six team okay. so cincinnati's out we'll go with we're gonna we're gonna go with uh ohio state Wow, having not played in their conference championship game, we're putting Ohio State in. Alabama got to be 34 to 13. Yes, they, they did. And they looked bad. They they looked bad for 58 <laughs> minutes of the 59 minutes of the of the Auburn game. That Alabama's out. We're, we're I can't give Baylor the nod over Ohio State. I actually I think it's Georgia, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State. Okay, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that we get a chance to see if you're right. I really do. That would be something. That else. would be the <laughs> that will be the most watched playoff ranking in the history of the playoffs. That would be. Fun. I, I am now rooting for what you're saying. Uh, I am now rooting for what you're saying. What are we doing with the Heisman Trophy now with C.J. Stroud losing but throwing for 394, Bryce Young winning barely 317? Are we still with this? only those two guys? I think it's Bryce Young's now. I think right now it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, but don't be surprised if Agent Aiden Hutchinson doesn't get invited. What would you think of the uh, contract that Mel Tucker got at Michigan State before you give us your I pick? think that Jimmy Sexton – has got a way <laughs> of basically just luring people to sleep. He's a uh, he's one of those guys. What what a hypnotist? I think he's a hypnotist, <laughs> and he gets people to just you know like Obi Wan Kenobi. You will let us pass. You will pay us the money. Uh, I think he just wands in and sprinkles a little dust. And Mel Tucker, after a beautiful five and seven year at Colorado, a year where they were picked to finish last in the uh, Big Ten East this year based on how they performed other than the Michigan game in the uh, pandemic year. And now he had a great season, but $95 million. <laughs> and, and James Franklin parlays an 8-10 and 10 Big Ten conference record in the last two seasons into an $85 million deal. Amazing. Ed Ogeron and Dan Mullen – have 34, I think Mullen's 34 and 15, and Ogeron was 36 and 14 at their respective locations, and now have both have pink slips. Wow. Jimbo Fisher is 34 and 14 at Texas A&M, and over the same time period, and has a $95 million deal. Unbelievable numbers. Okay, that brings us to where we need to be. 
He's red freaking hot. He won last week's game by a grand total of one half a point, but they don't ask you that when you when you cash the ticket in at the window. I'm assuming, well, I don't know where you're headed, but if you're not headed to Georgia, Alabama, you need to include that as maybe a cherry on top of the Sunday. All right. We are going to go to San Antonio, Texas, where the Conference USA title will be decided. UTSA had been undefeated all season long and fell to North Texas just last week. Obviously, better to lose then than in the championship game. But they're coming up against Western Kentucky, whose quarterback is a kid named Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi is from Houston Baptist. Okay, so he's a Texas kid, transferred to Western Kentucky. He is by far and away leading the country in touchdown passes. He's a star. And Bailey Zappi and the Hilltoppers are going to beat the Roadrunners in San Antonio as a one-point favorite. That is where we're going. With the cherry, I'd like to take you to Georgia, and I would like everybody to be reminded that Alabama's offensive line this year is not Alabama's offensive line of last year. And unless something really different happens – they are going to be challenged like they've not been challenged previously by a absolutely frenetic front seven of Georgia, led by their nose guard, Jordan Davis, who goes a paltry 365 pounds. So I, I just think that this is a very, very bad spot for Alabama to be in, especially down running backs. I think it's going to be all on Bryce Young. I think it's going to be a fast track. And I just, uh, I got to take Georgia and lay six and a half. Georgia minus six and a half and the pick of the week, Rick Neuheisel, as if you didn't think he was crazy enough, is taking an eight and four football team to win straight up against a, a once 11 and 0, now an 11 and one top 25 ranked team in San Antonio. That's why he gets paid the big bucks on Mitch Unfiltered. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. Just remember these words. Zappy will make you happy. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. We'll talk to you next week at this time. Look forward to it, Mitch. Take care. All righty. It's been too long, way too long since we got a little update on the new Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. J-Flow. Jordan Flowers is in the house. Jay Flo, how's the transition gone to cross country? Hey, it's good to be back. It's been a great transition. Thanks for having me back on. I didn't know if you were still doing these or what. I don't know, but <laughs> it's been a phenomenal transition. It's been great. I got to give a special shout out. You got listeners everywhere, Mitch. And the gentleman that is the area manager for the space we've been in Bellevue, his name's Alfred Northcutt. He came up and talked to me getting coffee in the space the other day. He's a big fan. And big nice. listener, and he's been phenomenal to work with here. So, Alfred, thank you. Appreciate Tr- all tremendous. you've done for us. Throw some numbers at us, Jordan. 30-year fixed refinance opportunities. How's the selling market? I understand you personally went through the sale and purchase of a new home. I'm assuming Cross Country Mortgage handled that. <laughs> Cross Country did handle it and did a phenomenal job. Thank you, Cross Country. Uh, we did sale. It was a great sale, phenomenal sale. And we are moving into our new house here soon. 30-year fix rates, conventional conforming 30-year fixes at three to three, three, seven, five, depending on credit and purchase versus refi or cash out. People are still looking to do home improvements, what have you there. 
Um, some are still calling in lower in their interest rates. So low threes right now with the conventional 30 year and then jumbo rates, loan amounts higher than 748 right now are kind of high twos, 275 to 3%. And cross country's always been a leader in new construction packages available. That's right. We talked about it a little bit last time and I've gotten several phone calls with listeners, but yes, we are a market leader with custom construction builds and love talking to everybody that's calling in about it. And how do we call in? How do we contact the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage? You can always text and call me on my cell phone, 425-890-2957, or you can email me and the team all at once at teamflowers at myccmortgage.com. Nice. You've got the name, you've got the number, the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, terrific partners and sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Jay Peterson now. Here's the pitch to DJ. Swung on hammer. Deep to left field. Stay fair. It is fair. Kiss it goodbye. A gargantuan home run for DJ Peterson. His first home run at home. Our next guest seemed destined for at worst a long Major League Baseball playing career. And at best superstardom he was the Mariners first round pick out of the University of New Mexico now he might not remember but he and I had some fun on the radio a long time ago with the phrase light tower power that's what they used to tell me about this guy light tower power the 12th overall pick in 2013 but it didn't work out that way and he's a man with an important story to tell we welcome to the show Mitch Unfiltered DJ Peterson hi DJ how are you Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Do you remember hearing light tower power all the time all those years ago? I sure do. It's actually one of the interviews I'll never forget. So uh, <laughs> one of your one of your partners sent me a message and threw out your name. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do an interview with that guy. So, nothing made me feel better getting on air with you and you you telling me I had light tower power. So. Uh, light tower power. A three-time All-American you were actually drafted by the Mariners twice, correct? And then that is correct. the second time they were surprised to get you at number 12, you signed and you first went to Everett. Tell us about the experience in Everett and how you ripped the cover off the ball right away in professional baseball. If I'm going to be honest, it was about a week, but it was quick. But uh, here's a funny story that I don't think too many people know. And I'd haven't told it very often, but my second game ever signing professionally, I got thrown out of the game in the ninth inning. Uh, believe it or not. Why? Uh, had a couple choice words with the umpire there at uh, in Everett. Uh, the strike zone wasn't too good. <laughs> and I think I started my career, if I'm not mistaken, over seven with four punchies. Uh-oh. So, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily the umpire's fault. I just think, you know, we're kind of going to get into it. But, you know, being able to battle – ups and downs, right, mentally, and, and having help. Uh, I still was a kid at 21 and let him have some words, and uh, sure enough, I was gone. And I think that kind of spiked, uh, fired me up, though. That kind of got me on a roll. So maybe it was for the best. And you ended up turning it around at Everett. You hit, I think, over 300 at Everett, and it wasn't soon before you got that first promotion to Clinton, Iowa, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. So you're in Clinton. It's your second stop. You've already been promoted once. It's a world win. You're at the top of the world. You're hitting bombs. You've got light tower power. And then everything changes, DJ, 
And we're all in Seattle kind of watching every box score about this guy that's just going to be the future of the Seattle Mariners. And then August 22nd, 2013, I know that's a, that's a sore subject date for the rest of your life probably. Tell everybody what happened and kind of go into detail about that day. Yeah, I mean, that, I wouldn't even call it a, a sore topic. It, it just uh, was a life-changing day for sure. But I got hit in the face. It was such a bad break that it shattered my jaw completely in half. I had bone fragments coming through my gums. I lost two teeth. Um, I've had, to this date now, seven surgeries, maybe six, but I'm pretty sure seven, and I still ha- don't have a permanent tooth in. I have a bridge to this date. So, I mean, we're talking long time ago from, from that date. But in and out of hospital for over 20 days, um, lost a significant amount of blood. Um, thought I was fine. Wasn't. Battled tremendously to get back into the box. I remember the first spring training, I think my third at-bat, a guy named uh, Matt Anderson. Mm-hmm threw a pitch up and in and almost hit me. And from that point on, it was like, holy smokes, am, am I even capable to get out of the way? It's, it, you know, it's already happened once. Is this going to happen again? So from that kind of at bat and spring training on, I had this thing called self-doubt. And it was not necessarily when I first got into the box, because OO count, you know, they're not necessarily going to come up and in. But the self-doubt started to happen one, two counts, two, two counts tendencies when they kept pounding me in, especially high and then I started to, that self-doubt started to creep back in mm. um, almost to a point where I felt like I was losing the ability to hit. Uh, and I'm sure you've read the article that I wrote with the players Tribune about, uh, or the athletics, sorry, about I sat in my car and had yes. to call my dad crying because I didn't feel like one, there was a lot of pressure being the first rounder. And two, I didn't know if I knew how to hit. And I didn't know if I had the ability to trust myself in the box on one, two, two, two counts. So, you know, world of emotions going on. But essentially what it what it came down to, what kind of turned it around for me was finally just getting help. You know, I, I've had many, many of nights after a ball game where I've sat in my car, locked the door, didn't tell anybody and just and, and literally cried. A grown man cried. And I've mm. maybe cried a handful of times in my life before that day. So. You know, it's the old saying of when you're young, don't show your cards and don't ever want ever let them see you feel defeat or feel broken or just all those things that you're taught as a kid, especially being a man. So, you know, it it just it was a lot of things that kind of took place that people don't really get to see behind the scenes. And, you know, maybe at that time there just wasn't wasn't quite that help out there for me. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, mental maturing after that day and, and a lot of healing and, you know, a lot of reaching out to people and, and accepting that I needed help. Let me ask you, DJ, to retrace some of the things that you just mentioned, because I think parts of this story will be very interesting to our audience who remember you so well from uh, your prospect days. You got hit in the face with a pitch. You lost it in the sun. What do you remember about? Do you remember the pitch? Do you remember getting hit? I do. You remember waking up yeah, in an I ambulance? What What do you remember? I, I never lost consciousness. I uh, I got hit. I thought it was a slider. It was a two-seam fastball that ran up and in. It was a one-two count. Uh, wasn't necessarily sitting on anything. Just it didn't. He was throwing me four-seamers before, kind of that were up and away, up and away, and then one-two count, and he threw a two-seamer. So initially out of the hand, I thought it was a slider. Middle of the day, you kind of can lose some stuff. And I just lost the pitch. I thought it was a slider. I kind of stood in there. By the time I recognized it was a fastball, it was too late. 
I was already spitting the tooth out at home plate. Wow. And you ended up in an ambulance. Did I read where Alvin Davis, the great former Mariner, was the one to break the news to your parents? He was. Yes, he was. Uh, tremendous, tremendous man, by the way. I don't know what I would have done without him or my parents in that ambulance. I was in so much pain. And uh, here's another story. Alvin actually drove two hours to my next stop from Clinton at my next hospital with me in the ambulance and just told me nothing but stories and kind of kept the 21-year-old kid from kind of losing faith that he was ever going to play baseball again. He kept cheering me up. You know, we said some prayers and, you know, what a great man. What a, what a tremendous man. Your jaw was wired shut. You had surgeries near where you were playing. They brought you to Seattle, you and your family. You met with specialists here. You had further surgeries. But here's the, here's the weird thing, DJ, and I know you've been asked about this before. As, as fearful as you were and as questioning as you were, and we'll get into the idea of not telling anybody and just holding that, internalizing that, which is the worst thing I think you'll agree you could have done. And you wish if you could go back over it again, you would have talked to somebody and maybe things would have turned out different. Even with all of that, DJ, 2014, after all these surgeries, your jaw fractured in eight different places. You hit in two different levels, A-double-A, 297 with 31 home runs, 111 RBIs. How in the world were you able to do that and still have this fear at the same time? Well, the talent was always there, you know, and if you actually look at my strikeout ratio that year, it almost doubled from when I first got signed. I went from like a 16% strikeout ratio to almost 30 that year. Wow. I had over 100 strikeouts. So there, there were some alarming things that went on that, you know, if you actually looked at the numbers and broke it down, um, you'd be surprised. But the, the thing about it was is I didn't miss very many fastballs, if I'm going to be blunt and honest. I, you know, early on in the count, I did a good job of not allowing myself to get deep in the counts, you know, which – is not necessarily a good thing, especially at the upper levels, because you got your veterans guys that can chip away and hit corners, and you know all of a sudden you're battling back in three two count. You work a walk, now you got to win, right? So right. it's easy to talk about now, but I just really in high and double A, I just didn't miss very many strikes early on in the count, especially in 2014. And what would go through your body when the count would reach two strikes? Talk about that fear. Almost abandonment. Almost being toast you know i at, at some points i remember i i would strike i was striking out two three times a game and double a towards the end getting in a really really tough spot when i started so hot and i would get to one two and two two and almost instantly just Free. almost give up until i would get to the ninth inning and i'd have to tell myself okay this is your last step at of your entire career that's that's where i got to at a wow. at 22 years old that in order for me to stay in there at two two one, two, and not be scared. I had to pretend like it was the last bat I'd ever have in my career. And you had roommates during these these years, 2014, 2015. Uh, you had apartment, apartment roommates, and yet you would leave them and go sit in your car because you just couldn't get yourself to tell anybody that you were struggling like you were. Nope, I couldn't. I didn't want them to see me weak. You know, I didn't want them to see me have any excuses. I just wanted them to think that it was just me struggling. You know, like every, everyone goes through struggle, right? I just didn't want them to see how bad right. it was affecting me. I felt like it was a sign of weakness, right. which is too bad because I'd, my roommates have reached out to me and said, I didn't even know what you're going through. I'd, I wish I would have known. Uh, 
because I would have I would have talked to you. I, I wish I could have helped in some way. Gosh. When Jerry Depoto came along as the Mariners GM in 2017, one of the first things that he did, I think, he released you. Do you remember that day, what that call was like, how it felt? I mean, here you were just a few years earlier. You were the, the Pied Piper. Everybody thought you were going to be this incredible middle-of-the-order light. You had guys like me throwing light tower power at you. What was it like to get released? Uh, he didn't even call me. Jeff Kingston did, the assistant GM at the time. I didn't speak to DePoto when I got DFA'd. I, I got a call in Oklahoma, and actually my stats weren't really that bad. I think I was hitting like 265 going in that game. I was 270 with like 13 homers. It was right after the All-Star break. Um, they just, you know, Kingston told me that they were going to make some moves, and they needed a, a pitcher, and and that was kind of the where they were at on the roster. And so they DFA'd me. I got claimed by the White Sox. And honestly, for I didn't I didn't perform well with the White Sox either, but – Literally, I could take a deep breath. Really? Honestly. Yep, honestly. The new front office, I didn't seem to fit their their resume, kind of what they were looking for. So, you know, I, I just I felt like it was it was a fresh of, of just nice, crisp air, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't hit good with the White Sox either, but it was, it was a fresh start almost. You had AAA stops with the White Sox, as you point out, and the Reds, and back to the White Sox. You were released in 2019, DJ. I know 2019 you got married. I read the article in The Athletic, the great piece by Corey Brock. And you finally decided, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to tell people what I've been going through. How did you get to that point? What, what, and, and and I would say, as somebody who has struggled from time to time in my life, I would say it's the opposite of weakness. It's, it's courageous. It's brave to get to the point where you're willing to let go and include somebody in your problems. What got you there? Was it your new wife? Was it your family? Was it a sports psychologist? Explain what it was that you drew upon to be able to come up with that strength to do that. Uh, it was definitely my wife. I felt like that all the anger I was holding in, I was doing such a good job of masking it. All the pain and everything I was going through, I, I, I was just masking it. You know, I, And there would be times where I would kind of, I would kind of snip you know, verbally with my wife and when she wouldn't do anything wrong. So I, I knew that, you know, my wife is, she's my soulmate. And if I wanted to be a good dad and a good husband, and if I ever even wanted to play baseball and be pretty dang good at it again, I needed to talk to somebody. I needed to get these things off my chest. I needed to get these things out of my head. I needed to figure out a way to cope with the pain, with the hurt. And I didn't know how other than to, you know, maybe be a little snippy when I got aggravated or, mm-hmm. you know, hide, run away from problems. I just, I didn't know how to necessarily handle things. So that, that was the turning point for me was kind of how I was approaching problems and situations and it wasn't the right way. You know, the non-communication, a little aggravated quickly mm-hmm. when something wasn't going my way it isn't how you go about life. That's, that's when I realized that, okay, I, I need some help. And what did you work on specifically with the psychologist? How did he, how did he or she help you? Um, he actually, he gave me a couple of things. I wouldn't say he was the most beneficial for me. I would say kind of what I'm doing at the moment has been the most beneficial and within like the last year. But what he, he gave me an ear to talk to and he gave me breathing techniques and things to do to slow myself down uh, I never necessarily had like panic attacks, but more of like anger. 
attacks and just instantly would get defensive and just didn't know how to communicate. So what, what he taught me is some breathing techniques and some ways to flush the mentality and to try to switch it, almost bounce from, if you want to call it, from person to person so I could be a better person or a stronger mm. person in the moment and take some deep breaths and allow myself to just kind of get it out mm. and allow myself to be DJ again. And what's DJ Peterson doing now that's helping even more than those sessions with him? I'm working with a guy named Wayne Nance. He owns a, uh, he owns a huge life coaching business down in Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, you can call it sports psychology, modern day sports psychology. It's, it's very up to date research and he's worked with the army and, Basically, what you do is uh, you identify attitudes and you teach people how to handle other people's needs and how to access their needs, how to help them out in stress and distress. And what it does is it actually calms that person down and makes them able to communicate or able to uh, help you. Or, or as far as the coaching stand, standpoint goes, you're able to coach these kids because you know their attitudes. You can now meet their needs and help them listen and help them be coachable. So yeah. what, what he's nice. done with me is he's shown me all these things that I'm weak at and, and how I get better at them. He's not mask them, but just get better at my weaknesses. And so now baseball became fun again. You returned to some independent baseball. I guess you're 29 or 30 years old. What next for DJ Peterson? Is the playing thing still a possibility? I know it sounds to me like a, you would love to coach, and B, you'd be a hell of a coach to work with young people and, and help them through the trials and tribulations of what it's like to be an athlete, especially in a sport where you fail a lot more than you succeed, DJ. Agreed. Hey, well, as of right now, what's next is I sign with the Rockies before Thanksgiving. So. Nice. All right. Yep. I, I think that I, you know, I, I'm not promising you on, on air or anything that I'm going to play until I'm 40, but there's, <laughs> there's some more baseball left in, in DJ Peterson. So, you know, not, Beautiful. I was talking to James Jones, a, a center fielder you guys used to have with sure. the Mariners. Sure. He's now with the Rangers. He's a pitcher. Not everyone's story is the same. And, and I don't want it to be that way. I, I never thought when I was 12 years old playing baseball, travel baseball, that I was going to be, extremely rich and famous and this and that. I just always thought that I had a chance to play at the next level, chance to play at the next level, chance, you know, and as those things started coming, things just started happening where, you know, now money's involved and now it's your job, et cetera. But I, I think that there's a very, very, very good chance that you will see me in the big leagues. This yes. Year. Yes. And, and what's the feeling now? How do you compare how you feel with two strikes and an O2 count than how you felt there's, a few years ago? There's no more self-doubt. There's completely – there's a lack of self-doubt. All there is is confidence. I know I can get out of the way. I train every day. Uh, the, the, the odds of getting hit in the head are almost – you almost have a better chance of winning the lottery than getting hit in the head with how many pitches I've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, So just kind of, kind of a freak accident. There's zero self-doubt. And, and all it took, seriously, is just talking to someone and knowing how to handle – my demons and handle my weaknesses mm-hmm. and, and that's that's literally what, what turned it around for me kind of lean into your weaknesses and your issues internally exactly yeah what what we did was we we attack my weaknesses more than we boost my good attributes we want to be able to handle those weaknesses and then also we'll build on the the good positive things that i have going too 
So before I, I say goodbye and root like heck for you to see, to see in the big leagues with the Colorado Rockies, let me ask you what would be an impossible question for me to answer if I were in your shoes, but everybody's a little different. How do you avoid, DJ, the pitfalls of the what-if game? How do you try to not go there? I would have – it would be impossible – for me, if I were DJ right. Peterson, to not ask myself every single day, what if I just asked for help in 2013 and in 2014? I could have been in the big leagues. I could have been playing in all-star games. I could have a lot more money than I have right now. It would be impossible for me. How about DJ Peterson? For me, it's not about the what if. It's about the impact that it did to me and put on my life and how I can help people moving forward. There's a much bigger picture than, than baseball. Baseball is not who I am, it's what I do. So for me, if I've at least impacted a couple of people throughout my journey with, with my ups and downs and my struggles and my pain, then this whole thing was worth it. This entire thing was worth it. I, like I said before, I never wanted to be rich. Don't care about being rich. All I care about is being healthy, being a good family man being a good husband, being a good parent one day. So if I could have just reached a couple people in your audience or through my article, then this whole journey was worth every part of it. Really fantastic stuff, DJ. I remember fondly our first chat many years ago. I'll remember this one a lot more vividly, and I hope that you won't be a stranger. I'll be checking the box scores, the minor league box scores, and waiting for you to get to the bigs with those Colorado Rockies in 2022. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and our listeners on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, DJ. No problem. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. So here I am having a good week, feeling all great about myself. And then here she comes. There's no better person to remind me of my limitations than Katie Versio, senior financial planner of our partner at Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. Three questions more. And the theme today is tax reform. So this is a big hot topic in the news this year. The House just a few weeks ago recently released updates to their proposed legislation. And this is especially relevant for us. In 2020, Evergreen acquired a tax firm. So with the help of Evergreen Sterling Cooter, we put together a few questions. Yes, I knew that. I knew about the acquisition of the tax firm. Let's go. Question number one. I'd like to hit one out of the ballpark. One of these days. Go ahead. All right. So the first question, the proposed maximum tax rate is increasing to 39.6% starting at $400,000 for individuals or $450,000 for married couples. What's the current maximum tax rate? Is it 30%, 32%, 37% or 38%? Well, it's not 30. It's either 32 or 37. I'll say 32%. Oh, you sh- it was actually 37%. <laughs> In this proposal, it would go from 37 to okay. 39.6. Got it. So it's up 2.6% in the highest bracket. Question number two. All right, this this might be one for you. This is true or false. Oh! <laughs> so this proposal repeals 1031 real estate exchanges, which allows you to sell investment real estate and defer capital gains tax by rolling it into another property. Is that true or false? Sounds true to me. It's actually false. Oh. Yes, it was uh, in the original proposal, they were recommending repealing it, but it is not in this version. So holders of investment real estate can hold a sigh of relief. Okay. 
I'm 0 for 2. I've got one last shot to get off the schneid and at least hit 333. Go ahead, Katie Versio. Okay, so this proposal recommends increasing the top capital gains rate from 20 to 25 percent. What is the starting date for this increase under this proposal? So is it starting January 1st, 2021? So going all the way back to the beginning of the year, April 30th, 2021, September 13th, 2021, or January 1st, 2022? September 13th is just too <laughs> obscure of a date for you to throw at me. Where would you come up unless it's your birthday or something? I'm going I'm going September 13th. I'm trying to read you, Katie. All right, well, you got that one. You read me pretty well. <laughs> yes, so that was actually the date that the House released this updated legislation. So any gains that are incurred after that date will be effective at the new rate. That's fantastic. All right, I went one for three. And how do we find out some information if we want to know more about the tax firm that you guys acquired several months back? Yes. So anyone interested can reach out to me directly at my email, kvercio at evergreengovcal.com or visit our website at evergreengk.com. And GovCall is G-A-V-E-K-A-L. Evergreen GovCall is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott, episode 168. I got to finish this up from the Seahawks. Rasheen Green blocked extra point. Yes, he did. That, that was kind of fun to watch, wasn't it? I didn't know for the longest time who blocked it. I just know that he picked it up and yeah. ran it down. Watching him points. run and watching the kickers try to tackle him. I, I read on Twitter that he reached a max speed of 18.41 miles per hour on his block extra point return, traveling 94 yards. The fastest max speed reached by a defensive lineman is a ball carrier since Jadavion Clowney in week four of 2019. So there you go. How about that for a fun stat? But he wasn't going as fast as DK Metcalf was going uh, when no. he chased down <laughs> no. Buda Baker. I don't think he was Arizona. going that fast, no. no. But that, that was fun to watch. You don't see that every day. I was like, oh, 10-7 game. That's fine. Oh, it's 9-9. What do you know? By the way, going back to your, your questions about, about, I don't know if you, made, if you had questions about Sam Heward. We are talking about yeah. how much can we learn? How much do we hold him accountable for his, his true freshman year? Jake Heaps, former quarterback, ESPN 710. Anyone hating on Sam Heward is just stupid. Don't know how else to say it. He's a true freshman getting his first real action in the Apple Cup in a dumpster fire situation. Of course, he isn't going to light it up. Getting the experience is valuable for the future. John Wilner, syndicated Pac-12 writer, writes, It's amazing how badly UW has managed Sam Heward's season, missed opportunities, wasted games, difficult field position situations, and now his first meaningful time in the Apple Cup. So everybody seems to be of the opinion that, hey, let's just throw it out the window. Yeah. Let's throw everything that we've seen from Sam Heward out the window. Means nothing. And come back fresh yep. with a new coach, a new system, and Sam Heward's second se- second season with the club. But act like it's your freshman year. Just forget everything you, you've maybe learned from Donovan or from Lake. Just act like it's your freshman year. You never played at UW. That's what I'd tell him. There you go. It's your first year. All right, three new toys. Remember we talked about the Toy Hall of Fame? Three new toys were inducted. Let me tell you what they are real quick. You told me... How many times do they do inductions? How many times a year? Well, you they, just told me a couple of months ago about the other inductions. They nominate like a bunch oh, of them, but and, and only they, some get in. I see. Three of them. American right. Girl Dolls, you're probably not familiar with. The strategy board game Risk. You're a Risk guy? I don't think I ever no, played Risk. No. Yeah. My kids play Risk. No. 
And what about this toy, which the group called perhaps the most universal and oldest toy in the world? What? Sand. <laughs> about that? Sand was inducted? You know, sandboxes, I guess, have been around okay. a long time. All right. Sand was in, inducted. I don't know who gave the speech for sand, but <laughs> sand was is now in the, the in, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, your Seattle Kraken. Yes. Now, I don't think you were around when I came back from my first game. No, I wasn't. I oh, went, that's right. I forgot you went. I went to my first Kraken game. And? It was a couple of Friday nights ago. They were playing the Colorado Avalanche. Okay. I thought Patrick Rawal well, was good. Was I was good. just going to That's the only guy I could ever come up with from the Colorado Avalanche. I once played golf with Patrick Rawal. Rawal, yes. Yeah. The uh, I bet he the can hit it a goal. ton. Can he oh, hit Oh, my God. <laughs> Swinging that, swinging that stick his whole life, he probably uh, mashes it. Yeah, I went to see them play the Colorado Avalanche. I gave the whole rundown with Slickhawk on the last uh, episode 167. Love the building, love the climate pledge arena, love the experience. They were literally down seven nothing, oh. which is the equivalent I think in football to like seventy five nothing. Okay, right? they were down seven nothing before I could even take a sip of water. Yeah. And they ended up just getting blown out, and everybody was nah. like, ah, oh, it's just great to have a team, and it's okay, and their expansion yeah. team, and they suck, and whatever. And then what did they do? They came to life. Yeah, right after your game. Which is fine. Okay. They hosted, um, what's Ovechkin's first name? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Alex? Yes. I think it's... No, I, I really do think it's Alex. Alex. Uh, they spanked the Capitals 5-2. to two. By the way, the Capitals going into that game, 11 and 2 and 5. Oh. Okay. Then they beat Carolina. What was Carolina's record going into the game against the Kraken? No clue. 14, 2 and 1. Wow. And then after losing to a good uh, Tampa Bay team, they beat the Florida Panthers, who are 14 and 3. And then on Monday night, they beat the Buffalo Sabres. So they've won four out of five games since I saw them fall behind 7-0. And the combined records of the three teams that they had beaten, 11-2, and 14-2, and 14-3. And and they beat three of the best four or five teams in a row. Love it. The Seattle Kraken yeah. are coming alive. So when do we get Mr. Playoffs for NHL? I can't wait well, for that. Well, the bigger problem is I went ahead and I wrote a song called Loserville. Oh, right. And then the Kraken started winning. <laughs> oh, just then, wait. Just wait. And, and then and then the Mariners started signing yeah. players. There's actually a line in the in the song that I wrote about the Mariners not going to sign anybody. And oh. it's just, maybe this has been the key all this time. I needed to write a oh, song yeah. about them not signing anybody. And then they started signing Cy Young Award winners. Right. So now, now I got to revamp the whole, the whole song. Write a song about Hotshot having abs and see if that comes true, right? Do you want to take a guess as to what, what the, parody, the parody song is of what song from Loser called Loserville? Loserville. Loserville. Well, I mean, there's a Margaritaville. Is that it? Yes. Very good. Wow. Wasted away in loo. You have to kind of extend the loser because it's less <laughs> syllables. But hey, I like it. I can't wait to hear it. So what, do you just get like a karaoke version or do you have the band come in and set up and you might- It's a Mitch's them? Melody. You don't know a Mitch's Melody I after all these I years? I don't think you did that when I was there. I did. Oh, maybe not when you were there. Yeah. But I've done it on this show. You I've did? done two or three on this show. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't remember. All it is is I get a karaoke version and I yeah. rewrite I rewrite the, the lyrics. Can't wait to hear and it. And I perform it and- I, I thought I had a good idea in Loserville. It is, yes. I figured I could depend on the Seahawks to lose the Monday night game against Washington football team. They took care of their business. <laughs> yes, they did. But I didn't expect the Kraken to go on a roll and then the 
the Mariners to sign the Cy Young Award winner. And now the song is a little outdated, so I got to re- revamp it. Is it? Don't you? I mean, look at where we sit. Look at Washington football, Washington basketball, Seattle Seahawks football. No NBA team. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's bad. It's Loserville. Yeah, kind of is. Yeah. I know with the Kraken, I'm like, well, it, 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 putting their hands up. Don't don't blame us. We've only been here a couple of months. Like, you know, we're doing okay, right? Now they're doing better than okay. Yeah. Yeah. They scored it, seven goals on Monday night against the Buffalo Sabres. Is there a chance they could make, I mean, are they like in the playoff hunt or have you even looked? Well, I, I could look later. You well, well, first of all, a lot of teams make the playoffs. So my guess is they are in the playoff hunt. Okay. Oh, I can do Mr. Playoffs. Second of all, we're still so early in the season. I don't think that yeah. we need to be talking about if the season ended today, which it doesn't, it's stupid to even talk about. But I know they, didn't they lose six in a row? So I was wondering, yeah, I was yeah, wondering yeah, if yeah. that kind of like yes. pushed them way down to like. Yeah, typically not, when you lose six in a row, well, but is it recoverable? Is, I, yeah, they've yeah, recovered? Yeah, yeah. All right. Of course. Mm-hmm. We've got six. time. There's time, Hot Shot Scott. All right. I'm in. There's time, Hot Shot Scott. What do you got over there? Scary moment. I, I know you don't care about wrestling, but Seth Rollins was attacked by a fan during who? Raw, a wrestler named Seth Rollins. I don't know who Seth he, Rollins is. I, I don't I know. know Seth Rogen. I thought who he was. No, he's a pro wrestler, Seth okay. Rollins. Okay. But this guy comes charging at him as he's walking down the aisle to lo- like a fan. And a fan just barreled into him and knocked this pro wrestler down. And they start. it took like six guys to break this up. But that fan's lucky that it wasn't like the 80s because those guys back then, they would have just kicked that guy's teeth out all night long. But Seth just got off him and went back to the locker room. But yeah. you don't see that very often where fans... Yeah attack pro wrestlers because they're usually pretty scary guys. What did you do on the Friday night after Thanksgiving? The Friday night after... Uh, my Friday night after Thanksgiving. My daughter, I think, had a sleepover, so I think I was home. Okay. But that was Apple Cup, right? The yeah. Friday was Apple Cup. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, I went and picked That's up my correct. daughter's friend, and then that was and it. And towards the end of, a, of the Apple Cup, yeah. a basketball game came on ESPN. Was it Gonzaga? Liter- yeah, literally towards the fourth quarter of the Apple Cup. Yeah. Oh, I was excited to watch that. A game came on ESPN matching oh. the weasel Mark Few against Coach K. Yeah. Gonzaga against Duke in Vegas matching the two freshman phenoms, Holmgren and Boncaro. And where's Boncaro from? Oh, yeah. He's from uh, Oday, I think. Oday High School. Yeah, yeah. Right. Did you watch? No, I wanted to. Oh, boy. It was... That was a fun game to watch. I'm sure. You missed a really good college basketball Gonzaga game. win? No. Oh, dang you it. You still I w- don't know after all this time. No. It's days old. I, I, there was a Gonzaga game on Tuesday that I was excited for. That right, was a- right, de- right down to the wire. Gonzaga oh. was undefeated. Duke was undefeated. Duke wins. Nice. Boncaro got the best of Holmgren. Have you seen Holmgren play? Yeah. He's like 7-3, and he's like, you can't even, if he turns sideways, you yeah. can't even see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, got, he's just skinny. Yeah. And, and they say he's going to be the number one pick, and Boncaro's going to be the number two pick, wow. and I don't see it. Because he's too thin. And I'm a little biased because, and I don't know, I don't know the guy, the kid. I don't know the parent. No, the parents are University of Washington people. And I know that I, I, I don't see how any NBA team that I'm running is going to pick Holmgren over Boncaro. Right. No way, no how. He'll get manhandled. This guy is 6'10", handles the ball. I know. Shoots the three. You've seen him play? Yes. Oh, yeah. Takes the ball to the rack, physical, built. I mean, built every, like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> everything about that kid I like. Yeah, I know. Everything about that kid I like. He's the real deal. And they're saying that, that number one's going to pick Holmgren instead of him now because he's taller and he'll fill out and he can pass. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's going to be a to fun me, it's season. it's not even close. Yeah. Not, not even close, but I thought I'd, I'd mention that. I was excited. But wasn't there another Gonzaga game Tuesday? They were playing UCLA, I think. 
Well, they played UCLA before they played. Yeah, yeah. Georgia. That's yeah. the one I was excited for. Blew the they God. blew the doors off of UCLA. I think UCLA was maybe five or they were top. No, it was like one two. Oh, it, it was, was like one, one two. versus two. Dick Vitale flew all the way with cancer all the way out to the game from I, Florida. I tweeted about you. Did you see Dick Vitale crying before yeah, sure. the game? I watched. <laughs> I said the Kleenex must be flying at Mitch's house. I mean, oh, God. I know. He was so emotional. It was so cool just to, to see. Just to be there. Right, yeah. just to be there. Because, you know, someone tells you you have cancer. You never know what your life's going to be like. So, yeah, yeah, that was very emotional. It was. Yeah. I wish the game was better, unfortunately. Yeah, it was a lousy game. But they made up for it a couple of days later when Duke played Gonzaga in, in Vegas. You're up. Your buddy Tiger Woods swinging a golf club. Oh, and not only swinging a golf club, doing an interview on he, Monday. Did he you see did. the interview? Yes. He I says he, he doesn't expect to ever be... A great player again. Yes. Something like that? Yeah, he said, after my back fusion, for me, I had to prove it to myself. I had to climb Mount Everest one more time. I had to do it, and I did it. This time around, I don't think I'll have the body to climb Mount Everest, and that's okay. But he did say that maybe I can click off a tournament here or yeah. there. He expects to play professional golf again. Yeah. Um, I thought what was revealing about the interview, I didn't see it, I just read the transcript, was that he admitted that in his mind, it was 50-50 when he was in the hospital after the accident of whether he was going to lose his leg. Wow. I had never heard that before. No, me either. Now, I know he almost lost his life. Yeah. And I know that it was a serious, serious leg injury. But he said during this interview that he was he was unsure whether he was going to go out of that hospital with his leg, whether he was going to keep his leg. That's That's rough. And so now he's got his leg. He's healing. Yeah. He's hitting golf balls on video. He and his son are out there hitting them. Around. He explained, uh, as you said, he expects to play tournament golf again someday, somehow. Yeah. He doesn't expect him to be at the top of his game. He doesn't be able to be. He won't ever be able to play a full schedule. He'll play a game, a, a tournament here and a tournament there. But it's it's just nice to know that he's on the men. Love don't it. you think? Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. He gets to do the, the thing that he loves to do. Yes. After that, and that we love watching him do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like after, everybody loves. After watching. that accident, oh, I mean, yeah, the fact that he's even like walking is—it's funny you say that about the amputation. Not funny, but I'm—I I'm, yeah. was reading about the Def Leppard drummer. I didn't know this. You know, Def Leppard's drummer has one arm. I don't know if you know that or no. not. Oh, you didn't know that? No. In 1984, he's 21, rolls his car. Ooh. The seatbelt hooks around his arm, slices it off. Sliced his—he's the drummer in the biggest band in the world at this time. He's a drummer. And he's standing in a field at 21 with one arm going, Oh, no. What the hell? So he, anyway, he, he figured out a way to rig up a kit and he plays things with his feet now. You can't tell the difference. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. He's been with the band since 84. They still tour. Anyway. Now, you, you truly can't tell the difference or you feel kind of obliged to say that? I, I think you can't tell the difference. I mean, you can listen to really? their, their music. He, he's got multiple pedals that he can. He's, he figured it out. Right, luckily, he was 21 when he had to do this because you have the energy, I guess, and he got him out of bed and wow. he rigged up these crazy kits. And wow. yeah, it's impressive. My point is, is that I, I didn't know that they actually reattached his arm. Oh. And then it got infected. Oh, and they had to so, take it off. Born with an arm, uh, loses arm, uh, gains arm, uh, loses arm permanently. But he uh, said, he, they told him if they don't get this infection cleared up, he might lose his other one. So to him, it was like, that was the biggest news. Anyway, it was funny that, you, that I didn't know about Tiger was potentially going to lose his leg. And then this thing with Rick Allen, I didn't know he was going to maybe lose both his arms. I'm ready for the RIPs. You have some? I have one. Okay. Because you went to see Mean Girls. Yes, I did. On uh, last Saturday or Sunday night for your wife's oh, birthday. Oh, I got the same one. 91-year-old legendary Broadway writer and composer Stephen Sondheim yeah. passed away. West Side Story. Well, he's pretty much the godfather of American musicals, right? I mean, he's 
I have a list here. He's uh, West Side Story, Follies, Into the Woods, Pacific Overture, Sweeney Todd Company, A Little Night Music. It list goes on and on. So yeah, he was ninety-one uh, years old. Very decorated, as they say. No question about three it. Three Tony Awards, a Lifetime yep. Achievement Award. Yep. Yep. So rest in peace to Stephen. You Sondheim. got any other RIPs? I don't. Okay, that's I, it. Oh, we're done. No, that's the only RIP we got? Yeah, that's the only one well, I then have. You must have one more story since we've done the RIP. I do, but I, I got to get this one out really quick. There's a band oh. called Guar you've never heard of. No. You, don't worry. It, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't even explain this. Do I look this. worried? <laughs> yeah, you don't. They dress up. And they, uh, I, 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 I can't even explain this band Guar to you. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, apparently one of their fans found himself without his prosthetic leg and desperate for the performers to help him out. So the band's guitarist stopped the show and announced to the crowd, if anybody's got a fake leg out there or got an extra fake leg, send it this way because this guy needs his effing leg. I don't know why it makes me laugh. It's a heavy metal band stopping the show. So instantly the leg pops up and they pass this leg all the way back through the crowd, like 50 feet, and the guy finally got it, put his leg back on, and the band continued to play. I don't know why that story just absolutely kills me at a rock show. A guy lost his leg, but... Eventually got it back. All right. One final one you ready for? Sure. A woman has been found guilty of attempting to hire an assassin to kill her husband. How did she go about finding a hitman, you ask? Wendy Wine went to rentahitman.com. That's right. She used the rentahitman service request form and filled out all of her info from the Clearly Joke website. Now, the owner of the website, Bob Innes, he took her request straight to the police, according to local news reports. Uh, having agreed to pay a fictitious $3,500 and a $100 deposit, an oh undercover God, policeman then posed as an assassin, arranging to meet the woman to oh discuss the killing. Th- this guy, by the way, he, he said he built this website in, I think, 05 as a joke. Yeah. He forgot about it. He went back in 08, and he had like 100 people who wanted, <laughs> wanted to hire it. And he's like, holy shit. So now he, he kind of uses it to help the police. So the incident took place on July 17, 2020. Michigan State Police Lieutenant, could, uh, he, he could see the funny side, however. He said, I can't believe someone would think that a website like this exists. She'll serve a minimum of nine years in prison. We'll appear in court unbelievable. in January. Yeah. Uh, I actually learned. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. Doesn't sound like it, does it? No. <laughs> nah. I, I did actually learn that. Oh, my God. This was a, uh, a bullcrap website when my wife never received her refund because I'm still here. Oh, and in case you're wondering, she never found a coupon code. Go online for a hitman? <laughs> Everyone knows the best place to, get, place to get a hitman is Target. Hey, NBC's Chris Hansen. I don't know what you're up to these days, but I have five words for you. To catch a hitman hirer. <laughs> We'll, we'll work out the title. It's a little clunky right now, but who wouldn't watch that, right? And finally, rent a hitman? Classic millennial, always looking to rent and not buy. That's it. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. Now, was that done for a previous episode that no. you thought that you were going to... No. I wish I had those. Those were, those were actually really funny. You would have liked them. <laughs> you loved them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so if you're looking to off somebody, don't go to a website and give everyone your personal information. What's the name of the website again? Uh, rentahitman.com. Did you ever try to go there? I, I didn't, but I, I did Should see... I try? Yeah, try it. But here, I want to do it too. But you have... Rent... Yeah. A hitman.com. I, I did see something funny. They have like a, a it says leave leave us or leave us love, on love, Yelp. Love us or leave us on Yelp. <laughs> if you would like, if you like what you've seen and are happy with our services, feel free to leave a Yelp review. Thank you, Guido. Yeah, Guido. Yelp. That's nice. Yeah.
Now, if, if you scroll down, you'll see that Rent-A-Hitman has seen it all uh, and know just how to precisely handle your delicate situation in a timely manner while maintaining 100% <laughs> compliance with HIPAA. What's HIPAA, you ask? Hitman Information Privacy and Protection Act of 1964. <laughs> the fact that she didn't know this is horseshit. 24-7 voicemail, 341-444-9101. Tired of being bullied at school or in the office? We can make any troubled relationship disappear. <laughs> Oh, my God. God. Yeah, not good. I like the customer testimonials. Yeah. Where the faces are pixelated. <laughs> right. Phil M., Florida. Guido and his public relations crew were able to resolve a five-year dispute in a matter of days. Highly recommended. Laura S. from Arizona. <laughs> Caught my husband cheating with a babysitter, and our relationship was terminated after a free public relations consultation. <laughs> I'm single again and looking to mingle. Thanks, Guido. Guido. Fernando M. in Kansas. My business schedule is too busy to get my hands dirty with human resources issues, so I consulted with RAH. And they handled my disgruntled employee issue promptly while I was out of town on vacation. Gracias. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cookie policy, accepting clothes. Anyway, yes. that's it. Okay, very good. Anything else? You're well, back, episode 168. I'm back, yes. Go Huskies. I hope this is the right move. I'm excited to see how the Husky season goes. Correct. Yes. And um, you are or are not going to make your picks here on in for Beat the Boys. Um, well, I'm going to okay. hopefully try to make my picks going forward. For I Beat believe the I was three and zero. Really? Do you remember? Oh, you wouldn't know what the games were. I was going to ask. You remember what the games were? No, I don't remember. I think I might have been three and zero. Not only do I not remember, I never knew. Actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> Episode one sixty eight, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoy.